Howdy, everyone. Guess what you're about to be a witness to. <laughs> so, sorry, it is just all laughs going into this, because we are about to have an episode about the current state of the bloodline. Um, So... Obviously, this is after the Rumble. You know, this is, you know, we're approaching a month after the Rumble almost. And so we, uh, a lot happened. A lot. I don't know what happened to my voice there, but we, uh, you know, obviously at the end of the Rumble, you know, the big blow off happened where Sammy betrayed Roman and things just broke down and. It was emotional and crazy, and hey, there's my ring. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, if you follow either of us on social medias, uh, but probably more so Naya, um, you know, that between the both of us, there are a lot of opinions and a lot of feelings about the bloodline. Um, a lot of them, uh, and about the story and the characters. And so we just figured now that they're had their big, you know, blow off with Sami Zayn, uh, that, you know, now would be an appropriate time to do sort of a, a check in, a state of the union. We're doing a state, a state of, of the, the union. union. Um, uh, and, and, uh, I mean, do you want, do you want me to get some of my thoughts over with so you can, uh, build up the screech? I mean, you can, but I do kind of have a specific place that I want to start. Okay, let's let's okay, let's 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 start let's start where uh, where you're thinking. I'm curious. So the first before we get into everything, I want to start with where I what I mentioned in the last episode, but I want to elaborate on it because this is something that has been bothering myself and some of my fellow like bloodline connoisseurs, mm-hmm. and that is like. <laughs> I hate using this word because I'm going to sound like such a fucking cornball, but, like, I don't have a better word for it. But, like, the bandwagoners. I don't think that there's anything wrong with people becoming interested in this storyline, obviously. I want that. I'm so happy that more people are interested in this storyline and more people are, like, starting to really see the beauty of what these guys have created especially as a jay fan because like between him and roman i feel like they have put so much into this right however like the problem becomes that like everybody wants to address this storyline in the same way that people who have been watching it from the beginning have they just don't have the proper agency to do it and that is because they have not been paying attention, like fully paying attention to the storyline since the beginning. Like, I think a lot of people have been watching the storyline. A lot of people have seen the storyline, but they have not been like paying attention to this storyline. Like we are some real fucking nerds when it comes to this shit, like analyzing facial expressions, analyzing these lines, pointing out these parallels. You know, literally if you follow like, some of these bloodline fans on on twitter like you will see being up into the wee hours of a night after smackdown after pay-per-views you know going over every segment everything that happened in a match every little like thing that occurred between roman and jay up into this moment and now you have like people who are like trying to come in and 
join in on the fun and tell their side of the story and try and have their opinion on shit and it's completely and utterly like wrong or misguided because they have not been actually paying attention to the story the way that they're pretending to like i feel like i especially saw it tonight like i have people making assertions about sammy and i'm like you haven't even been paying attention long enough to see the arc that sammy and jay have fully gone through for if you have that thought about sammy or to have these thoughts about jay and like even too like in the beginning you couldn't even convince people that jay was a reasonable option to dethrone roman and you know now people are finally agreeing that like jay should genuinely be the one to dethrone roman it's just been this big change but like a lot of people aren't commenting on this story in the proper manner because like i said they just don't have like the actual agency to do it justice you know like like even for okay i'm not gonna say that because it's gonna sound like i'm being shady but like yeah there's just there's just a lot of examples like week week after week after week pretty much ever since survivor series you know there are even like some big accounts big roman fans who are like now all of a sudden trying to throw their two cents in and some of them even too trying to like act like they care about jay as a character when it's pretty obviously that they don't because they can't even do roman's character justice like i went on a kind of long rant the other day because i'd seen a couple of tweets that basically were saying roman wasn't wrong for turning like roman wasn't in the wrong in the relation between himself and sammy and i'm like if you think that the words roman isn't wrong make any sense within any context of this storyline you have not been watching it at all roman is wrong that is the entire fucking point he's wrong about a lot of shit he is right about things you know his pers- but the entire point of roman's character is that his perspective is skewed so like yes even if if you look at it from a certain pers- per- certain perspective he's right about things but to say that roman just straight up isn't wrong and he's right about everything to me like you're taking so much away from such a great character you're stripping him of all his nuance and like if you actually genuinely watch the storyline from the beginning and you gave a shit about it the way that like a lot of people are kind of pretending to do now all of a sudden then you would have an appreciation for that with roman as a character and you would understand that with roman as a character even to the point where like this storyline we're on year three of this storyline and people are just now noticing that jay is the main character like what do you mean what do you mean you've been watching this storyline this whole time and you didn't you didn't know who the main character was until three years into it like and yet you think that you have like the right to assert your opinions and your analysis on this over other people when you don't you didn't even know who the main character was for 90% of it because we are literally almost at the end like it 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 perplexes me and I again I know I know I know I sound like a massive fucking nerd I know I sound like a total dork and I know somebody's gonna listen to this and be like nah it's not that fucking serious and it really isn't but like again as somebody in who's been here from the beginning with other people who have been here from the beginning like this story has meant a lot to us a certain select group of people like even like mick or even honey like him letting me talk his fucking ear off about jay uso for like literal years since the beginning pretty much since the beginning of the storyline because like that's around the time that we met like 
it, it's just been a lot of effort on on the part of the people in the storyline and on part of us fans who have been here since day one. And it seems like a lot of people are just kind of waltzing in and completely and utterly taking from it because they don't actually understand what they're watching. That is my piece. Sorry, so the entire time that you were doing that, I was listening, but I was also working on, uh, I don't know, trying to get our podcast Twitter unlocked, uh, which has proven to be an extremely difficult, months-long uh, endeavor. So, sorry, I was also doing that in the middle of doing all this. No thanks, go away. Um, can you let me just look at my email, please? Please? Like, thank you? <laughs> sorry many annoying things happening why does it have that doesn't what um anyway so when it comes to the bandwagoning thing that is happening um i think i think that that is I mean for me personally it it doesn't you know bug me quite as much as as I think it bugs you it just uh it's just it's one of those things that I feel should have been obvious to people you know what I mean like I feel like this should have been obvious and the fact that it wasn't and the fact that people are like you know, just now being like, oh, we, you know, <laughs> like, just now getting into it and being like, oh, look, Jey Uso is, you know, the, the main character, and Jey Uso has, um, okay, fine, I'll just try that, fuck you, fuck. What are, but now are you going to lock it again? What are you going to do? Are you, sorry. Oh my god, this is such a pain in the ass. Yes, thank you. Fuck off. Um, and this isn't going to work because it's going to be like, oh, this is for another account. Fuck you. Fuck you! Sorry, as I'm talking through this. Um, but, it's again, it's just one of those things that I feel should have been obvious to people. You know what I mean? Like, yes, Jay is the main character. Like, okay, it's unlocked for now. Fuck. No, fuck you, Twitter. Piece of shit. Fucking Elon Musk bullshit ass fucking website. Uh, anyway, the account's back. Fuck. Woo. Um. But. Because I don't understand how you can watch. You know, what are we on? Two years? Of the bloodline? And not understand the story that's being told. Because it's been so direct and so obvious. And there is, like, I am a little frustrated because I feel, you know, like this happens to me a lot. Because not many people see my tweets about wrestling or my posts about wrestling. But, you know, and as we said in the last episode, I've been saying for a long time. You know, the three people that should have even a chance at beating Roman are Bianca, Jay, and Sammy. And at this point, I'm pretty full-on Team Jay. Because that's the only way that the story can have a truly satisfying ending. 
And, you know, people have been, people have been like, oh, you really think that Bianca or Jay could beat Roman? And I'm like, yeah, I pay attention. (laughs) Like, and it's so fucking crazy to me that now so many of those same people are like, oh, Jay should be the one to beat Roman. Fuck Cody. Like, okay, where were you like a year ago when... You know, we were talking when about that. I was that. being called delusional. I'm sorry. I was like, I, I, had I got called delusional for Bianca more than I, I did. I got Jay. called delusional for Jay. I got called delusional. I hate to even bring this up because this has been handled and like dealt with, but like even my own friends, some of my own friends were calling me delusional because I said that Jay should, because I was adamant that Jay should beat Roman. Like, that's literally. I, I don't know. Part of me feels like that's why I'm like so protective of this storyline because yeah. it's like y'all weren't there. Where the fuck were y'all were calling y'all were calling me delusional. Y'all were saying that I was crazy. Y'all were saying that that's not gonna happen. Y'all were saying that that made no sense. And now all of a sudden everybody and their mama like think that they're like a bloodline call- connoisseur. Y'all didn't even think that Jay was a reasonable option to beat Roman until now, until Royal Rumble, which was two weeks ago. Yeah, like. I just don't get it. I just don't get it at the end of the day. And, like, I have been paying attention to the storyline since it started. And, like, how do you just, like, how do you not see it, you know? And then, you know, there was a point where everyone, people, people thought Sammy before they thought Jay. Which is insane to me. Because, like... It, it it's just so fucking stupid and then you got Cody and then you got fucking Cody Jesus Christ and it's just like Jay is the right option unquestionably he is the correct choice and I'm I'm just lost on how people are only just now getting that and even then it's not even a majority of people that are getting it now yeah. and Like, come on. We're all looking at the same TVs, right? Like, we're all looking at the same product and the same story. Because. <laughs> God, it's just so fucking stupid. The whole fucking. The whole fucking reaction. To, because, like, I guess because they're like, oh, Jay's, you know, just a tag team wrestler. And it's like, did you miss the entire, like, five months where they were like. Oh, he's the right-hand man. He's main event Jay Uso. Because the thing that I don't get... and because Okay, so I'm going to have to talk about Cody for a second here. Because Cody has become my biggest problem with the Bloodline story. Because they thrust Cody in because he's a hot act. And because he's, you know, their big grab from AEW. So, of course, they gotta put some heat on him. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, it's quite late, <laughs> everyone. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a hot act. They got to put, you know, a lot of heat on him. They got to put a lot of attention on him. And, of course, logically, in any other situation, that would lead to him winning the belt. And it just doesn't work. Because cause he keeps pushing this fucking thing. 
This phrase of finish the story. And listen. That is one of the stupidest fucking things I have ever seen in my fucking life. Because, and I actually mentioned this on Tumblr not too long ago. Let me see if I can find exactly what I said. Because I feel like that actually summed things up pretty good. Um. So yes, this is why I hate the finish the story thing. Because like, what story? Yeah. What story, Cody? <laughs> what story? Was it the fact, was it like the story of how you were only ever good enough to be a mid-carder in your own company? Or was it the story of how you couldn't handle a main event caliber in WWE? Or the story of how you put yourself above everyone else at the end of the day? Because it can't be Dusty's story because Dusty's story is over. It is, because like me and my parents were talking about it and I was like, whose story? And they were both like Dusty. And I was like, Dusty's story is over. It is finished. He ended his own story on his own terms. He also actually did the work to become the American dream. He connected with people. He connected with all the low down and downtrodden and the mistreated and maligned people in this country. And Dusty was someone who made you actually believe in him. Like, no matter where you came from, you believed in Dusty Rhodes. But Cody cannot be that. Cody cannot finish Dusty's story because Cody is too proud. He is standing on the pedestal of the Rhodes name and thinking that puts him above everyone and that's just not how it works. And, like, to some degree, Goldust understood that. Like, he understood, like, what his limits were and what the level that he performed at was. And he became an extremely successful, famous wrestler all because of the fact that he knew that he was not main event caliber. And at the end of the day, I truly do not believe that Cody will ever be main event caliber. I just do not. But you know who I do believe has the ability to be main event caliber? Main event Jay Uso. And Jay Uso is actually, and this is why the phrasing of finish the story in particular pisses me off. Because what is Cody's story other than going and starting your own company because you had what was essentially a massive hissy fit because you had to put on a suit and draw a star on your face. And then you went and started your own company where you couldn't even main event there and you wanted to, you know, put other people over, but the only thing you ever actually did was put over yourself and then lead a bunch of people who came over, who came to your company and have them do what? win a mid-card title? Is that how you put people over? Is they won the fucking TNT title? Really? The equivalent to what I'm pretty sure is the European Championship? Like, <laughs> and then you got tired of that because you realized that you could not be in the main event in your own company. You realized that you could not even do that because you just weren't that valuable to them at the end of the day because you're not part of the end group. You're not the elite. You're not Tony Khan, and you had to deal with that, and now you come back to WWE where, you know, like, it was one of the things that led your father to fame, but it wasn't just the only place that did. And then you come here and you're like, oh, I have to finish the story of, like, of going to the main event and being at the top of the mountain like, buddy, I don't know how to fucking tell you this, but some of us are just not meant to be at the top of the mountain. In life, in wrestling, 
whatever. That's not what everyone gets to do, and that is not what everyone can do, and that's not what everyone should do. And just because you, in your heart, think you are good enough to actually be at that level, it doesn't mean that you are. Because you can believe in something all you want, but that doesn't make it true. And, like, with Jay... (laughs) He actually literally has a story that has been told directly to the viewers in a way that's been all but slapping people upside the head that he actually has to finish. Because again, as you were saying, Jay Uso is the main character of this story. He is the main character of the bloodline, as my dad was saying. Because again, I was talking about this with my parents. My dad was like, that, and my dad said that people thinking that Roman is the main character have not seen enough movies because the the boss is never the main character. He's usually the antagonist, if anything. The main man is the character. Like, the second in command. The underboss. That's the main character. Because that's where the meat of the story is. And, like, Jay has been mistreated. He's been maligned. He's been downtrodden. He's been all of the things that Cody desperately wants to believe he has been. Like, Jay, literally, like, there is so much to his story. Jay was forced to be a pillar of his family legacy, even if he didn't want to be. Cody was never forced to be that. Cody was allowed to step out, do whatever the fuck he wanted. Jay Uso has never gotten to be whatever the fuck he wanted. Like, he had to work. He did not actually need to rely on his family's name because everyone knew he was part of the family, but, like, that doesn't mean that he was, like, standing on the pedestal of it. He, like, and Jimmy, too, and Roman, fuck, all of them, honestly, they did not stand on the Onawaii pedestal and act like that automatically made them some kind of wrestling royalty. Like, they do not view themselves as a royal family. They are just a family. Well, they didn't. Now they like, do. Now they, they do. Work their way, they worked their way up to that. But, which is, like, the difference between, like, them and Cody is that, like, they worked their way up to saying, yeah, we are royalty because they built their legacy. They built their own individual legacies and then said, hey, look at us. Look, look what the fuck we did. Whereas Cody came in riding the coattails of his father's legacy from the Again, beginning. stood on the pedestal of his name and acted like that made him a big deal. And, like, Cody can say he wants to finish a story, but that story just isn't there. It's in his imagination. It doesn't exist. That story doesn't exist. Like, like, he is just not what he thinks he is. He's not. And I, and this is all coming from someone who, at the end of the day, likes Cody. I like Cody Rhodes. I think he's a good wrestler. I think he is, again, a solid mid-carter. But he is not Dusty. He is not the person that Dusty was. He is not, and you know, people are, you know, putting a bunch of hype on Paul Heyman saying that Roman is the son that Dusty wanted, and like, I don't know if I believe that, but like, Cody, 
clearly has some kind of weird-ass insecurity about his relationship with his dad. And I hope that he figures that out. But, like, <laughs> like it's so crazy to me. Because he puts all this stuff about, like, oh, I'm part of wrestling's, you know, one of wrestling's royal families. And, and I am, you know, this big deal legacy character. And I'm like, but you're not good enough to do better. Like, what are you outside of that? Like, what are you outside of being Cody Rhodes? What are you outside of being Cody Rhodes, who was brought in as part of something called Legacy? With two other Legacy performers. Who are you outside of Cody Rhodes, the guy who left WWE because he didn't want to draw a star on his face... And thinks he deserved better, even though he had one of the longest intercontinental title reigns of the, you know, the 21st century. Um, like, <laughs> like, who are you other than the guy who, like, what, went to New Japan for a while? And then started AEW? What, it's, it's like what we were talking about off air. What character is there? Or are you just there because you're Dusty's son? Because if you're just there because you're Dusty's son, and if you think that just because that's who you are, that that means that you should get all these opportunities and titles and praise and prestige, then you're just wrong. Like, Roman did not muddle through the dirt and get death threats for, like, however fucking long... For someone like Cody to waltz in and be like, I have faced true adversity. Because have you? Like, have you actually in this industry? Or did you just get a gimmick that you didn't like? No, literally. No, literally. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, the kind of irony of it is, like, a lot of Cody's fans, I've been seeing a lot of, like, warfare between Roman and Cody fans and a lot of Cody's fans keep getting mad at Roman fans for saying that he needs to like move on from just using his dad as as the storyline because like you have to exist as something outside of that and I think it's so funny how Cody fans are trying to twist that into disrespect towards Dusty but I don't think that that's disrespect towards Dusty at all you know I think that Cody owes it to his father and his father's legacy to let his father's legacy be what it is and to craft his own and that this storyline the bloodline storyline is in and of itself about family and this family's relationship with each other right what is it that Cody's trying to prove exactly you know like beside like you know like what is what is what does bringing his father into this storyline what does using Dusty's legacy as a crutch in this storyline do for Cody like what does that add what does that what depth does that put between himself and Roman like how does that bring their characters together in any way shape or form you know what I mean like it it, it just it just, it seems very cheap, which is, like, kind of one of the problems that I have had with Cody 
for like the past couple years since he's been in AEW, really since he's like even since he's like kind of left WWE, is that it seems that there is nothing about Cody that is special enough for him to roll with. It's kind yeah. of like I keep going I keep going back to like that line, the one that everyone always posts of Adam Cole saying to to Karrion Cross, like, you need the smoke, you need the crazy entrance, you need the video packages, the vignettes, you need the pretty girl, you need all the no pun intended, smoke and mirrors to feel special. How do they make Adam Cole feel special? They ring the bell. How do they make Roman Reigns feel special? They play his music, he walks out, and he does what he does. How do they make Seth Rollins feel special? They hit his music, he walks out, he does what he does. How do they make Jay Uso feel special? He goes out there, he does what he does. Even Sami Zayn. But with Cody, like, he couldn't even just have, like you like we were talking about in the last episode, sometimes less is more. It would have been significantly more impactful and, like, probably would have even got a better, like, I feel like I've feel like the crowd reacted because they knew they were supposed to react and that it wasn't so much of a like oh my god we are genuinely so happy and excited to see mm. cody kind of thing it was like you know who cody's number 30 is sorry you know this who is... else that reminds me of who we were talking about off air <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it that's why i was thinking it but i it slipped my mind to say it when we were talking about that <laughs> but yeah definitely it's like you need you need all the you need all the smoke and mirrors because that's the only way that people give a shit about you. You want to just straight up talk about Royal Rumble like they did all of that to make people care about Cody winning the Royal Rumble. They didn't even have to do that for Rhea. They did not have to like put in fucking big letters on a sign Rhea Ripley is going to win the Royal Rumble. Look at this video package about why you should care about Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble. Like here is this fifth like this long ass entrance with smoke and pyro in the Royal Rumble so that you'll care about Rhea winning the Royal Rumble. Here is Rhea Ripley having a 15 to 20 minute match on top of the already 40 to hour long Royal Rumble you just watch so that you'll care about her winning the Royal Rumble. It's like they pulled out it's kind of like I'm not even gonna go there. But it's like <laughs> they, they did they did all these things to make people care. And to me like that's a symbol that that's not the right person. Because if every because if everybody was going to care, then they're going to care. The way that Sami Zayn and Jay Uso won people over in a single night on the same night that should have been Cody's night for winning the Royal Rumble. The reason why you went on Twitter and you looked and it was Sami Zayn and Jay Uso who were trending and not Cody, it is because they went out there and they just were authentic and they were genuine and they presented themselves as characters that people actually gave a shit about. They actually are dynamic and interesting characters that work within the context of the storyline so that people can be invested in them. Whereas Cody is just like this guy that everybody's telling us we're supposed to be rooting for. It's just like, and again, I, I just want to clarify, this is not me being a fucking hater because at the end of the day, I like Cody. I enjoy Cody. I enjoy his wrestling. I enjoy the character that he has. But I don't enjoy that character being shoved into a story that has been told specifically between a group of men 
who have done an unbelievable amount to elevate their work and the work of others all because I'm supposed to be excited that this one dude came over from AEW. And let's be real, it's because of that. It's, it's not because Cody because it's not even because Cody is Dusty's son. It's because he came over from AEW after being one of their executives and after being one of their big deal guys and they were like, you know, oh, look at this, you know, the first person to, you know, jump ship from there to here. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's the only reason we're supposed to care about him. Because, like, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe if it had been someone like MJF, I would have been like, huh, yeah, I can get, I get into it. this. <laughs> You know, or if it if it had been John, if John had come, not that John would have ever come back and challenged Roman, he would have just come back and been like, "Hey, dude," and they would have been best friends, and it would have been insane. Um, because I truly don't believe that those two could ever have a feud where they make where they would make me actually believe that they weren't just going back to the bus. So like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> shout out to Seamus's. A banger bus tweet that was great um like but that's that's all that's all it is and cody again just isn't important enough anywhere to make me want him to win the titles and like it gives i i don't remember if we talked god i don't remember if we talked about this on air or off Maybe it was on air. I don't remember. But you and me had a conversation, I believe on on air, on one of our last episodes, where we were talking about Cody versus Roman and how any story that they could tell with Cody as champion could be told with Jay as champion and better. Because, you know, yeah. we were talking about, like, perspective feuds for Jay. Should he win the titles by some fucking miracle right and so you know obviously one of my first thoughts was well what if cody what if there was a cody and jay feud with jay as the champion and you know i thought that would be far greater in terms of quality and what it does for both men yeah with with those two because then it becomes because to me, having Cody, again, as an underdog, like what we were talking about, um, having Cody as this underdog just doesn't work. Because you cannot you cannot present someone as both an underdog and your crazy, super popular, super awesome, mega superstar. Thank That's you not for saying how it that. Works. Like, Thank you for saying that. Because <laughs> it's so frustrating. Because they want this all of the time. The... the it's... It, it I don't understand how they can book Bianca like she's been booked and then book Cody like this. Because Bianca is an excellent example of someone who lost the title in a humiliating way and then was not booked like an underdog. She was booked like the bad motherfucker that she is, beat everybody on the roster, got back to the spot, and won the title. Like, you cannot tell me that Cody Rhodes is this mega fucking worldwide superstar legacy badass motherfucker and then be like oh but he's also just a little ooh baby who you know has no chance against woman like and shut you know, the fuck up what's ironic about that and i pointed this out to my friends i pointed this out to multiple people too 
that Cody isn't any different than he was in AEW, by the way. And one He's of not. the, like, I don't care what anybody says. One of the reasons why I believe Cody left AEW is because he, he his plan didn't work. He started this whole company so that he could be the main character, and yet everybody outshined him because people are more interesting than Cody Rhodes. And the the audience, no matter how hard he tried to be this mega babyface who was like relatable and stood for everything that they wanted him to stand for, his presentation didn't make any sense. So people turned on him because yeah. it became a, a, a it became a running joke every single week about how extra he was with his pyro and his entrance and his stupid fucking neck tattoo and how everything had to be about him all the time and yet he was still trying to present himself as this underdog babyface and forcing tears and everybody hated Cody because of that in AEW literally and this is not an AEW versus WWE fans thing this is a like this is the one thing that AEW and WWE fans could agree on that Cody was a fucking cornball nobody liked him so I'm very confused about what happened where he is it's not that he's changed anything that now all of a sudden all those things that people have been critical of about him and hated about him for all this time are all of a sudden the most lovable and precious things Again, about him. It's literally <laughs> just that he came back to WWE. And it's, he's that's their what first it is. big AEW grab. And, and like, like his pre the reason why like people didn't like fuck with Cody is because his presentation made no sense. You cannot sem you cannot simultaneously like market yourself as the underdog who's scratching and clawing his way to to victory and then come out and you have the biggest pyro of the night you have the biggest entrance of the night you have all like you have all this fucking bullshit and in, in the context of being an aew you are literally the executive of the company and then, in the context of this storyline how are you simultaneously the the second generation third generation whatever of like uh wwe hall of famer but i'm also supposed to believe that you are an underdog scratching and clawing his way to beating roman reigns right like you can't be both and right and like and i know you don't like him but i i'm gonna give a rub to aew because they had a story of one of their executives being the main character like being the big antagonist and it worked because when yeah. Kenny was because champion... people with power are antagonists, not protagonists. <laughs> I mean, that too. Like, that's a big part of it. But, like, Kenny, in his heel... When he was a champion and he was in his heel era, you know, with the, the awful dyed handlebar mustache and the, you know, all that. God, that was an interesting time for me. Um you know, walking around with Don Callis, he was, you know, he was leaning into the fact, like, oh, look at me, I'm a rich douchebag executive, and I have all the power, and my my friends, the Young Bucks, help me cheat, and help me fuck over everyone else, because that's the kind of guy I am. You know what I mean? Like, he understands that when he is a heel, he has to be a heel, and that someone who is this overall very privileged individual in the world of wrestling and kenny's not even like a legacy like he doesn't even have that to like stand on because you usually legacy gets you at least a little bit of a face rub you know what i mean but like he understands that like if you are going to be an executive you either have to be just ride on being super cool but not push it 
or you have to just be a giant dick bag. Like, and I'll give it to the Young Bucks even. For the most part, they've spent most of their time in AEW being giant dick bags. <laughs> Cody was the only one. And see, I think this is where it comes into his weird relationship with his father's legacy. I think he wants to be as loved as Dusty was. And I just don't think that can happen. And it's not because, and this isn't me making like a judgment call about Cody as a person. I do not know Cody well enough to, you know, say whether or not I think he's a bad person. I think like everyone, he has done some stupid stuff and you know, that's what it is. But I think he wants to be as loved as Dusty was and that just can't happen anymore in wrestling. You know what I mean? Like that just cannot happen. That is not the world we live in. It's not the culture we live in. It hasn't been for a long time. The last person that I can think of who had anywhere approaching that, that reputation was probably Jeff Hardy in like the 2010, like 2009, 2010 when he won the title. That's just about the last time I can think of someone who was essentially universally loved and beloved by the fans and even then it had gotten to a point where you still had a lot of detractors but dusty was in a time where wrestling was one of the only things on tv so it was one of the only things you had access to and he had this character Going up against, you know, rich, you know, the nature boy, Ric Flair, this rich douchebag, because he understands that sometimes there needs to be a rich douchebag character. Like, you had Dusty Rhodes, this son of a plumber, you know? You had someone who genuinely came across as this humble, spirited, amazing individual against, uh, you know untouchable you know rich dickhead and cody wants to have that without telling the story and without doing the work to tell that story and yep. like it comes back to like when he was brought into wwe he was brought in as a heel faction of like second generation wrestlers as randy might be a third generation but um he was brought into this stable of legacy wrestlers whose entire story as a stable was look at us we have we're nepo babies haha <laughs> fuck y'all you know what i mean like so it's it's cody cannot then come into this story where we have gone past the legacy argument and it's no longer about like the legacy of the bloodline it is about jay uso being a victim under the abusive hand of his cousin who has lost his fucking mind. And, like, because Cody keeps trying to make it about legacy, and that's not what it's about anymore. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's been about for, like, a year and a half. It hasn't been about what the bloodline does for wrestling or what the Anawaii family is for wrestling. It's not that anymore. It started as that. That's where the motivation began, 
And but that's then, not like, where the story has led. And Cody cannot sit here and try and make it about that when the story is now about a victim trying to escape his situation. Sorry, I got real mad about that. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, I was going to say, um, even then, like, <sighs> that could... The, the thing about the bloodline, like, one of the things that makes the bloodline story so great is, like, each of the characters, more Roman and Jay than everybody else, but each of the characters have enough depth to them that, like, there can be bits and pieces of things that are true. Like, like I was saying earlier with, like, Roman fans saying, like, oh, Roman's not wrong. That take, to me, like, to me, uh, you're doing the character me. a disservice because there are bits and pieces of him that are right and there are bits and pieces of him that are wrong. That is what a character with depth and nuance is, right? Cody doesn't have that. <laughs> Cody is a very one-dimensional person yes. character. There's nothing to him beyond the surface level. So, like, Jay and Roman, their story can simultaneously be about legacy and also be about abuse and also be about insecurity and about pressure and generational trauma and i think the story is about all of those things and it can be about all of those things at the same time because you guessed it we have characters with actual depth and nuance and there's moving parts to them it's not just one surface level main event jay uso isn't main event jay uso because he just main evented smackdown no that's something that he had to build up to that's that in moniker became of the fact that he started out in this storyline as somebody who was a tag team guy who nobody saw anything outside of and he grew into the moniker and into the like responsibility the role of being the main event of smackdown every week like there is story there he didn't just wake up one day and start main eventing smackdown he didn't just wake up one day and have two titles on his shoulder whereas cody woke up one day and just won the fucking royal rumble like can I just, I feel like a good microcosm of all of this, I think, is the phrase there is nothing that Cody Rhodes can say in this program that will be as emotionally impactful as Jay Uso saying they don't know which, which one I am. Bro, don't listen. <laughs> listen. Like, there there aren't a lot of wrestling promos, like, generational wrestling promos. And ironically enough, like, Cody's dad has one of them. Like, those promos that have those lines and that have those moments are just the entire prom promo itself that sticks with people for years and years to come. When I tell you, like, that promo from Jay literally, like, I if I wasn't a fan of him before, like, that promo made me a fan of him. Because... It was so, just a, a singular line that all of a sudden made every, like, it, it it made this character so much more than he was before because it was like this moment of vulnerability where he shared something with the entire world that we never knew about him before. And it created, it basically birthed his entire, this entire story and, like, the entire basis for what Jay Uso's character had become, his motivations, and even, like, down to the the sole reason why he should be the one to beat to beat Roman. Yes. You know, like... Because, you know, I feel like that leads into another good, excuse me, kind of TLDR for the situation, which is that, like, 
I do not believe, and again, this is, this is not me, like, slagging on Cody. This is not me saying that he sucks. This is not me saying that he's shitty at his job. This is not me saying that he is not very good at what he does. I truly do believe he is. I know this all sounds like I don't believe that. But he is, and I don't mean this as an insult, one of my favorite mid-carders in history. And, you know, all of this goes back to, essentially, the fact that nobody values the mid-card on a widespread cultural level. But another good summary of all of this is, I do not believe that anything Cody can say or do will inspire people like what Jay has been able to do. Because, and again, the whole story is, 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 is again, and, and we've talked about this on the, on the show before, we've talked about how this is a story of abuse, how this is a very well-depicted story of abuse, of an abusive situation. And it is so weird to me to then be like, no, fuck that guy. You know, we don't actually need to finish this story about, you know, someone being emotionally Him. abused and manipulated and gaslighted. And, you know, we we can just hand it to this guy. You know, we can just hand it to this dude who walked in from another company. And, like, it's crazy to me that they think that they can get away with that. And maybe they can. We'll find out. But it... Because <laughs> I'm just like, genuinely, one of the most heart-wrenching depictions of abuse in modern me media history. And people, and that's another thing, is people don't seem to understand that. When we talk about earlier, when, where we started with the, the bandwagoning thing, is we see, it's like, there doesn't seem to be this grasp amongst the fandom that that is what's happening. This is a story of emotional abuse. That is what is happening. People don't want to accept that, whether it's because they're, it's not a romantic relationship, they're not father and son, they're not, you know, like, because it, maybe it's because it's two men of color, like, whatever the reason is, people do not want to accept that this is a story of abuse, and people are therefore a-okay with this story ending with Cody fucking Rhodes, of all fucking people, waltzing in and fucking the whole thing up and i'm just like you know what actually genuinely would be the best baby face move for me for cody to do and this is what and this is never gonna happen but i think this is genuinely one of the best things that could happen overall for the story is have up until closer to wrestlemania have this story being told of jay fighting like fighting himself fighting his family trying to figure out what he can do how what does he need to do can he break away and then have him have a moment with cody have him and cody directly one-on-one -on -one, backstage in the ring wherever maybe they have a match and then afterwards cody comes and finds jay something like that have them have a one-on-one -on -one. Bef and this is before Wrestlemania and have Cody officially abdicate his main event position to Jay because 
Like, and again, it'll never happen, but to me, that would shoot Cody so far into babyface territory that I don't think he could ever leave. Because then that shows that there is something like Dusty in him. There is that love and that care for other people that Dusty always showed. And again, they're not going to go with that because they're not smart enough. But but it, it, that would also, of course, get Jay into the main event. But it's just like... And then, of course, you could have like Roman and Paul like trying to convince Cody to, you know... Get, like, t- you know, take it back and stuff like that. It could be a big hole, hole blue. Um, and it's just like, y- you have options here to do what you want to do with Cody. Like, have Cody abdicate his position and be like, and then as he tells Jay that he wants Jay to be in the main event, have him be like, but I want to be the first person you face. So he still gets his title shot. You know what I mean? Like, have him be like, I want to be the first person that gets to challenge you for those titles. Because then I'm like, you have Cody acknowledging the Bloodline storyline in its entirety. You have Cody acknowledging that Jay is the maligned person in this story. You have Cody being willing to step aside from a huge opportunity just for someone else. And then you also have Cody being like, I want the honorable fight. I want the honorable fight between me and you. Two people. Because then, like, honestly, again, there's that Cody and Jay feud that would be much better than any Cody and Roman feud could ever be. Have them be like, you know, we've both been left aside in our family legacies. We're not the people people think of when it comes to our royal families. And then, like, build on that. Because yeah, then you Cody... can... Because then... Sorry, real quick. Because then you push Cody into that mega babyface territory of being, like, he is just a good, solid person. Because Dusty, for the most part, was a, was a face for pretty much his entire career. Like, so you're pushing him closer to what he wants to be, what the fans want him to be. Like, it just seems like the ob- I mean, it seems like the obvious option to me, which means it's never, ever going to happen, because, again, Hunter is not smart enough, and, motherfucker, I know you have me bugged, so I hope you hear that, you bald bitch. Um, I was just going to add in there that Jay and Cody have a lot more in character in common as characters than yes, they do. Roman and Cody do. <laughs> you know, especially, like, being guys that, like, were given that cap with Seth. Seth, oh my god. Sorry, I was just <laughs> not even going to get into it. Um, but Jay, being the one that was like supposed to just be a tag team guy his entire career, mm-hmm. and Cody being the guy who's who's supposed to just be a mid-card guy his entire career, you know? Mm-hmm. And both of them feeling like, like too, with what we're saying, and with you saying like, you know, Cody being like a top-tier mid-carder, and like me saying that like, Cody's like not that special, um, that's not to say that Cody shouldn't ever be a world champion, you know. No, I wouldn't even I say think, that. I I think I we mean it more or less within the context of the storyline that yes. those arguments just don't yeah. work for Cody. But the idea of him as a character feeling like he's destined for more 
that works that's fine that i understand it just doesn't necessarily work in the context that he's trying to make it work because it's not accurate to clarify when i say all this again as a fan of cody rhodes it is just because he does not fit into the bloodline story he does not he will not he does not fit that is not how it works and you know if the way i see it working out is you know jay has his world title reign right and he keeps them for a few months or he keeps one or he keeps both i don't know if they're ever going to split them up or not but he he has his world title reign right good solid five months i'd say four to five and then they use that time to build up their next heel right uh build up uh fucking gunther build up gunther have him have that's the perfect story to tell because they're obviously shooting him up towards the world title pipeline so the obvious story there is jay uso is now alone he doesn't have his family he doesn't have his brother he doesn't have anyone on his side. And then you have Gunther, this fucking massive wall of a brick shit house of a man with his two fucking muscle-bound European lackeys. Like, have them be like, you know, oh, well, you know, we have the tradition of wrestling. We have, you know, the sacred mat. We have all of this shit. And we're bigger and stronger and better than you. And look, we can, we've kept our team together. We've kept ourselves together. What can you do? You haven't been able to keep, you couldn't keep your family together. And then that gives you the obvious, you know, oh, the, the, and, you know, obviously have, uh, uh, fucking, what's their names? Uh, Marcel and Fabian have them help Gunther win so you have him cheating so Jay doesn't lose clean. Because I think if you want to keep a baby face, a baby face, sometimes you gotta have him lose dirty. Have Gunther then have him be the person that Cody beats. Because that functions far better as a storyline to me. Is to have Cody then be like, oh, this is my crowning moment against this unbeatable force. That is Gunther, you know? That's how I would do it, at least. Again, which, you know, bald bitch, hope you're listening. Um, Nia, it's so frustrating. And then, this hasn't even gotten into the actual character beats of the whole fucking thing, which, like, I know you probably have feelings about Jay. I just want to express some things about Roman. Yeah. Because... I love Roman, guys. I don't know if you knew that. Um, Like, my first tattoos were the words, I can and I will. Because Roman has been a pretty big inspiration to me and a pretty big reason why I've become as passionate about wrestling again as I have. Because, you know, when I was a kid and and when Eddie and Chris died, (sighs) the flame just kind of went out, you know? And it was hard for me to ever... One of the reasons why I stopped watching wrestling eventually is because I got into this place of not thinking I would ever connect with any of these people. You know, it was it was in the, the late 2010s. Or it was in the late 2000s. 
early 2010s. I didn't see anybody that I connected with. It was all the same flashy bullshit and, you know, nobody was taking women's wrestling seriously. So, you know, I stopped and, and when I got back into wrestling, Roman was the first one that I really connected with in any way. So I, I love that guy. Love that, love the guy. <laughs> you know, love the, love the character. And Roman has, to me, always spoken to me as someone who has had a lot of trauma and a lot of pressure on them. Because Roman, to me, and we talked, I think we talked about this recently, but um, Roman, to me, is the story of someone who has not just experienced a traumatic event, but has also experienced the ongoing trauma of obligation. And I think that, you know, I call this a story of abuse, but it must be viewed within the lens of Roman also being a victim. Because I think that, you know... The way they hint at it, the way they talk about it, the way they talk about the Bloodlines, you know, story in particular, is that there is this sense that Roman was the horse that they bet on. Out of all of the wrestlers in, in the family, Roman was the horse they bet on. That was the one that they were like, you know, he has to be the elite athlete. And as I'm sure I've said before on this podcast, all elite athletes are victims of horrific abuse at the hands of the people who trained and raised them. Um, because you do not get to that level unless there is something wrong with you. And <laughs> that's just how it works. And, you know, Roman is someone who has had this pressure on him his whole life. And in the context of the story and his character, you know, when, when are the times that we've seen Roman the happiest? I can think of specifically probably 2015 when he was running around acting a fool with Dean and then probably the 2019 era once uh, he came back and was back on his own um, those were when he was happiest. Not when he was chasing titles, not when he was you know having to be the big top guy all of the time but when he was just getting to run around and be himself because i know because you know and you know he's in all of his like half shoot half work interviews that he does now he's like oh this is a, this is a real me this is not this is the kind of person that i really am and i'm like no you have a dog named snuggy and you love your children like let's be fucking real and, you know, we, we also talked about this, about, you know, how the only people who ever kind of corroborated that were Jay and Jimmy, you know, in the, you know, like his evil thing where they were like, oh yeah, he used to, you know, trick us and get us to do stuff. And, uh, that also to me is less of a like, oh, you're an emotional manipulator and more like, oh, you were the baby of your siblings, so you took it out on them because they were a little bit younger than you. So you were like, eh. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it uh, it, you know, he has the story of like 
the only times where he has ever come across as truly happy and approaching well-adjusted were the times where he didn't have any particular obligations. Like, let's look at the time where he was with Dean, or even with the S.H.I.E.L.D. I would even say the early S.H.I.E.L.D., because he wasn't trying to get, you know, especially once they turned face, there was that period where they were just running around being like, it's a lamb, gentlemen, like, you know, being idiots, being stupid guys. And then he got to run around with Dean, and that was the, ha- that was the happiest I've ever seen either of them. Because they just had someone who filled in that space that all of those traumas left. And then in 2019, again, once he came back, you know, he was kind of on, you know, running a little bit lighter. And he didn't have those obligations. (laughs) He didn't have those pressures. He got to just be himself. He got to lead a Survivor Series team and have crazy kick-ass matches and almost get killed backstage (laughs) and and that and then when we see him chasing titles we see him go through these horrible horrible things or when he's a champion we see him go through these horrible things what the authority put him through what hunter put him through what brock lesnar put him through my god jesus christ like brock lesnar tried to kill that man constantly and you know humiliated him and then he comes back in 2021 right he came back in 2021 or 2020 um he came back in 2020 wait brock uh he came back in 2021 okay because uh, I was trying, I can never remember when Roman came back. And Roman came back uh, August twenty twenty okay. at SummerSlam. That's what I remember. I there's a lot, there's a lot of the pandemic that my mind just does not remember. A lot of that was also me getting trauma. So, <laughs> um, but you know, he comes back. He comes back. Jumps right into the world title scene. Jumps right into you know being. Braun and and Bray and all that. Jumps right into being with Paul. He gets the title. Jumps right, and then, you know, that's that's about when Jay enters. When Jay enters the scene. Because Jay is like, hey man, I'm happy you're back. You know, he starts off all happy, and you know, he's by himself. And and what was he doing that whole time? You know, while Jimmy was gone, and then while Roman was gone, Jay was, as far as I remember, doing nothing. Just like literally hosting like we, a karaoke thing. Yeah, and... that was the only appearance he made on TV that entire summer, which is insane. And so then, you know, Roman comes back, and that gives Jay an opportunity to come back. And something is obviously different with Roman. And I always felt, and maybe this is me imagining things, but I always felt that the implication was that in the storyline they used that period of Roman being gone to imply that he got a talking to by the elders. By the elders. Yeah. And, you know, quote-unquote talking to. Um, And it clearly changed him. 
and it changed his priorities and it changed how he approaches things because it wasn't it wasn't even a like a subtle character shift it was an overhaul and that yeah. was always so strange to me because so much of this is so subtle but then the implicate when you realize that the implication is that that subtle change happened while he was gone and while he was getting that talking to from the elders then you're like oh something very unpleasant happened to this man and it changed his brain and and it's and it's that on top of again the fact that roman has shown us over his career up until then that he both these two things are true or these three things he is happiest when he and at his most well-adjusted when he is not under intense pressure. He uh, has moments where he has an intense and violent temper. And uh, he, like, fuck, I forgot what the third thing was because I was sitting there, like, trying to figure out words. Sorry, guys. Again, it's late. We're all tired, but we have to talk about this because it means so much to both of us. And, like, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, he... Oh, and the third thing was he has experienced explicit traumatic events. Um, and, you know, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. one is obviously the biggest one is, is him being turned on by someone that he cared about and someone that he considered family. And you can't look at the bloodline story without looking at looking at it through the lens of him also of those things being true because we are seeing a culmination of all three of those very important character distinctions about roman and you know i feel like some people try to like kind of ignore that and just like be like oh this is who roman has always been um which is insane and doesn't make any sense at all. But I guess if we're all ignoring reality, then that's how it is. Um, and that's, you know, that has colored so much of my perception of the Bloodline story. And specifically the relationship between Roman and Jay. Because all I can think of is how this is Roman perpetuating the cycle of abuse in such a specific way you know and also why you know and again I, i'm just talking about roman right now just because you know he's also an important part of the story though he's not the main character is you know when he feuded with seth that was horrible for me <laughs> personally uh because seth reminds me seth's overall story reminds me too much of the person who fucked me up and who gave me the good old ptsd and it, it's worse when seth interacts with dean but the stuff that seth did with roman in 2022 yeah um yeah it it's it, it bothers me because it's sitting there and it's it's, it's him doing his best to re-traumatize, or not re-traumatize, but to trigger Roman. And to trigger the trauma that he caused. And, you know, as someone who had a person do pretty much that to me, that was just not super cool. 
but it added more layers to the bloodline and it added intensity to the storyline because Roman only continued to kick, <clears throat> excuse me, to kick up his abusive behavior from there as he kept increase as he as he escalated slowly and slowly and he would give these lulls and he would have these moments where um he did what was essentially love bombing which is a very common tactic by people who emotionally abuse someone uh it's a period where after a period of intense abuse they will then go on to be like oh i love you i'm giving you praise i'm giving you comfort things like that so he's had you know, again, it's a very, very well depicted uh, story of abuse. And, you know, then when and and seeing Roman have to respond to those triggers was just awful because you could tell that it shook him. And then, and we talked about this, uh, not in the last episode, but the last time that we just hung out, um, we talked about the specific shot of Roman's face after Sammy hits him with the chair. Because that, to me, said more than just about... That and Jay walking away were the two most important parts of that segment for me. For sure. Because that shot of Roman's face shows him just sitting there and, like... That is the face of someone who is reliving their trauma. That is the face of someone who is having a flashback. And what we see after that is Roman's intense, violent temper. Because as the Bloodline storyline has gone on over the past few years, Roman has only continued to be traumatized. And now he is carrying, again, that obligation that is traumatizing in and of itself. And all the oldest siblings know what I'm talking about out there. You guys get it. Um, Maya gets it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, that has only added to it. So it makes sense to me so much that with Sammy in particular, he is lashing out in the way that he is, that he's getting to this level of ultraviolence because he you know the the shield breakup is explicitly within the canon of wrestling the most traumatic event for Roman and so him having to relive that to any degree obviously is going to make things difficult and that's why we see Roman continuing to escalate since the rumble and Like, the thing that's changed is that now he is able to use that. And he's able to use that immediately and flip it. And then, you know, he is triggered and he's, you know, dealing with that. But he's also using that as an opportunity to exert control as much as he can. Because it makes sense to me that, you know, he goes from... Because I don't even remember him beating Sammy that much. It was it was a lot of the other guys. And that, to me, makes sense. Because he's trying to exert as much control in the situation as he can. Because being triggered like that makes you feel very powerless. And very out of control. And with Roman 
having that obligation and having that place of having to have control of everything around him for the sake of his family and for the sake of his family's legacy and his family's future feeling powerless in that situation created a very dangerous little bubble um and we are still roman is still in that bubble and i do not imagine that will stop until uh you know the next few weeks when i'm sure that you know something stupid will go on with the bloodline and things will get more insane but all of that you know is leading into talking about triggers and flashbacks and stuff like that and you know i thought that again the other important character beat in this because again None of this has anything to do with Sammy at the end of the day. <laughs> like, no, for real. Like, like, Sammy, <laughs> like, again, it's like with the whole thing, people not realizing that Jay is the main character kind of interesting because, like, Sammy exists within this storyline in relation to his, in terms of his relationship to Jay. Yes. And that's literally all what it's been the entire time. Like, he got introduced into the bloodline because. Everybody else wanted him around, but Jay didn't. That was the main conflict, was that Jay didn't want Sammy around. Yes. You know, it's always going to be... And it that, always comes back to Jay. And that, in and of itself, was a form of Roman trying to exert control. Because he was... He saw... Because, again, Jay, at the end of the day, is really Roman's target. Jimmy and yeah. Solo and Sammy and Paul, they will all catch strays, of course. But they are not his main target. Jay is his main target. And, you know, I think that's a little bit because they have a lot in common. But, um... Oh my god, I have so much to say about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> as I... Uh, the, the point I was getting to was that it, it led to, you know, the talk of triggers and, and flashbacks is that the other important character beat in that is, of course, Jay's actions and what Jay did because, in, and we talked about this, um, and I've talked about this with a few people, but, again, as, as someone who has had some pretty bad stuff go on. Um, <laughs> uh, it's pretty easy for me to recognize what a flashback looks like and what being triggered looks like and the ensuing panic from that. Um, something I've had to deal with quite a few times and it sucks. And I'm sure you've had to deal with quite a few times and it sucks. And when they cut to Jay in the corner... When they cut to Jay in the corner and he's kind of just, like, backed up I'm against it, like, yeah. pressing himself against the turnbuckle <laughs> and just kind of staring at everything and starting to... You can see him breathe a little wrong. Yeah. You can see, like, that is... Again, the whole thing is excellently depicted and Jay did a fantastic job with showing the fact that he was having what was essentially a flashback. I think that even to some degree, you could argue that he was having a flashback specifically of like hell in a cell of when Roman beat the shit out of him. Cause Roman beat the shit out of that boy. Um, and, and being like, I don't, it's, it's wait, hard to can I just, can I interject real quick yeah. right there? I, I think Hell in a Cell and Clash of Champions were obviously, like, traumatic experiences for Jay. 
But I think in that moment, if I would think that Jay was having a flashback, it would be to that night that Roman beat him with the chair because he lost the match. Because the thing I don't even remember that, about, but you're probably right. <laughs> I listen. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know this shit like the back of my hand. So like, <laughs> send the me the is, send me the episode for that because I'm curious. I'll find it. Um, so like the thing about Hell in a Cell and Clash of Champions and what I always found to be the case of Jay and his character in that is that like at that point in time, obviously the physicality of what Roman was doing hurt, but the but Jay was able to withstand the physical part of it. Which is another reason why I feel like Roman should beat Jay because I still technically feel like Roman has never physically beaten. Like, I don't think that Roman has ever really beaten Jay in a match. He's beaten Jimmy in a match on Jay's behalf two times. But besides the point, like the way that Roman won both of those matches was by psychologically overcoming Jay. Um, But he never could physically break Jay at that point in time. So he knew he had to resort to mentally breaking Jay. But that night where he beat Jay with the chair after, like, Jay had lost a match and, like, some other stuff that ensued, it was more or less of a point of, one, Jay didn't see it coming, a la the shield return. Not the shield return, the shield betrayal. Jay didn't see it coming. It was after. It was done and presented to Jay as if Roman was doing that to him out of love. And I believe that that was a really confusing moment for Jay because, mm-hmm. again, it came out of nowhere. Like, if you, like, I'll send, I'll send it to you when I find it. But, like, if you watch it, like, Roman's kind of, like, pulls Jay in for a hug. And it's, like, I think, I think what had happened was that they were beating Braun Strowman or Kevin Owens or something like that. Mm-hmm. They were beating another person together. And then Jay took that same chair and started beating Jay with it. And it was, like, presented as, this is a means of teaching you a lesson. This is good for you. This is Mm -hmm. what you need. And Jay never, never expected that at that point in time. And I think that was one of the only times where Roman did, like, genuinely physically abuse Jay because he, he like, beat him with a chair as a punishment, you know? Oh, Um, yeah, no, no, no. I say that it's largely a story about emotional abuse because that's, you know, where the most of it takes place. But he has had at least at least a few instances of actually physically abusing Jay as well. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like that, and the reason why I feel like that was, like, the real, like, traumatizing moment for Jay is because I feel like after that point in time, that's where Jay really, really struggled to look Roman in the eye. That's when he really, really stopped questioning Roman about anything. Like, didn't even, like, make a suggestion about shit. You know, like, that's when Jay really, like, became kind of completely submissive to Roman. Like, between that and Hell in a Cell, it was more or less, okay, I'm being submissive because I know I have to. But at that point in time, it was like, I'm. there was an element of fear between Roman and Jay. You know, in the larger cultural context of the entire thing, because I do think that's also important to take into account, um, within the larger cultural context, that makes so much sense to me, because, you know, they are both men, they are men of color, um, and there is some psychological baggage that comes from being raised in certain cultures and being raised in America at all. (laughs) and you know it's understandable to me that jay could for the most part handle 
emotional manipulation because there is an air to Jay that he's a little self-deprecating in his thought and that his self-esteem is not quite at the level of, say, his brother. And so I think that there is a level of, oh, well, you know, Roman is, is more successful than me and and is, is a bigger star than me. So yeah, of, of course I'd, you know, listen to him at the end of the day because, you know, that's that's just makes sense. And I think that it makes sense in the cultural context that an emotional and mental humiliation is not going to weigh on a man of color from the South as much as a physical show of humiliation. And I do think that not even just fear, I think it was humiliation as well that Roman was aiming for when, you know, he attacks Jay physically. And I can understand how that for Jay, again, in, in the broader context, would, would be the more humiliating thing. It would be the more, the thing that puts him down more. Because then... Because, you know, if, if it's just emotional and if it's just mental, then he can he can justify that in his mind. You know, he can justify that. Because this is something I've seen a lot of people do. <laughs> you know, you justify it like, oh, well, you know, that hurt my feelings. But at the end of the day, Roman is right. Roman is smart. Roman knows what he's doing. But when it turns into a physical act, when it turns into that, then it becomes... Then you get that nagging voice in your head, especially as a man, um, as a cisgender man, as far as we know. Who knows how Jay identifies? Eh, who knows? Um, Baby girl. <laughs> um, you know, especially as a cisgender man, and to some degree, even more so, a cisgender man of color, there's this nagging voice in your head of, well, you should you should have been able to stop that. You should have been able to yeah. to fight back. Why didn't you fight back? You should have been able to fight back. You're not you're not a pussy. You're not fucking weak. So why did you let that happen? And because again, this is something that we see with a lot of male victims of physical abuse, um, especially ones who are abused by women. Um, a lot of the times you'll. And that's the cultural response to them as well is, well, oh, but she's, you know, so much weaker and smaller than you. Why don't you hit back? And it's like, well, because I love that person <laughs> and I don't want to. Um, and right. it's, and, you know, with Jay and Roman, it makes sense to me again. And again, this is such a nuanced story that takes so much into account that, you know, there's also this air of, because, I mean, we, we know that, you know, their parents, you know got a little physical with them as kids. Um, and so we do know that within that family, there is an acceptance of, you know, hitting someone as discipline. And, right. you know, when your parent hits you as discipline, that doesn't really discipline you. It, humiliates you it is a show of power from an authority figure to someone under their authority 
and, and like it is meant sorry sorry i was just gonna say like as i don't know about you but like from the perspective of like somebody who grew up getting like beatings or like spankings and stuff like that mm-hmm. as a kid the the mindset that it gives you it's not about like teach like you said it's not about teaching you a lesson it's mm-hmm. not about you know teaching it's you about anything. subjugating it's about, it's about subjugating and it's about making you afraid to make that mistake again yep which i think is like the one of the like pure intentions in in mm-hmm. in roman doing that to jay it was that like if this is my reaction to you then you will you will be afraid of and therefore less likely to repeat that same action mm-hmm. you know like absolutely and, uh, one of the reasons like i think why i end up connecting with jay so much as a character during this time period is because he he portrays that anxiety so well like i said like mm-hmm. from that moment forward like if you'll notice he can't make eye contact with roman like there are very few times where he holds eye contact with roman when roman gets in his space he backs up he cowers away like mm-hmm. he, he he can't Roman clearly makes him anxious like his mannerisms the way he's like he's always rubbing his face he's always rubbing his hands he's always stuttering over his words he's always trying to make sure he's saying things correctly and not like overstepping his boundaries because it's been instilled in him that if you make a mistake this is the reaction that Mm -hmm. you are likely going to get or in some way shape or form you know Mm -hmm. and that is again like as somebody who has experienced that that is a very difficult way to like live your life and it Mm -hmm. and it makes it makes navigating every day it makes navigating situations especially with the person or the people who are doing that to you it makes interacting Mm -hmm. with them like a very anxiety inducing like experience Mm I, you know, people use the phrase walking on eggshells a lot, but it's, it's, it's walking on eggshells over lava, you know, because you, because then if if you get hit, even for one mistake, you start to think, is this going to be the consequence for every mistake? Do I need to do that? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do everything perfectly? If I, if I do everything perfectly, then they can't get mad at me. And unfortunately, eventually they always do get mad at you again. They always do find a Jay Uso could do everything right. Jay Uso could do everything correctly, and Roman would still find a reason to attack him. Yeah, because that's how that relationship generally works. And again, it, it, it all is just another facet of how excellently this has all been portrayed, just on the part of everyone. And you know. I talk about Roman's part in this because I think Roman is the second biggest part of the bloodline story. Um, and I, and again, I feel like a lot of people aren't viewing it through the lens of him as a traumatized person. And I hate, like, I don't want to say it in like a, like, you know, I forgive him way, but I do think that there has to be a level of sympathy for Roman because, Again, I understand that he's being an awful person, but it is, again, the cycle of abuse. It's, it's this person has been deeply abused one way or another, and he is currently pushing that onto another person because he feels 
that because the people who loved him treated him like this, that this is how you treat the people you love. And this is how you have to go about it. And that is, of course, awful. And I said the last time we talked, I, I said... I don't see any way that Roman ends his career as a bad guy. Because to me, after the Bloodline story ends, and there's no way to me that he doesn't somehow find a redemption. Right. Because he has to, you know? Again, just like Jey Uso has to get his crowning moment, his vindication, his his moment where he gets to overcome his abuser. I think then we have to see, I'm just giving Hunter all the free booking ideas. You best listen, you bald ass bitch. Um, you know, the, the best, the, the path for Roman after this is a path of healing and a path of redemption. And, I, you know, I, I joked about it. I've joked about it with a couple of people that Roman needs to go to AEW for a year. Uh, and I'm not even necessarily being facetious. I think that character-wise, a good way for Roman to even out is for him to, like, have a moment where he's talking to someone and they're like, well, where do you go after this? And he's like, I know exactly where to go. And then he shows up on AEW and he just finds John, you know? Like, because again, and, and you know, of course, me being me, I put a great deal of importance on the relationship between Dean Ambrose or John Moxley and Roman Reigns, um... Because you literally can't not. Like, people try also try and downplay that. Like, people try and downplay Roman's place as a victim. And they also try and downplay the relationship between those two. Which I don't get. Because, like, look at him. And, like... <laughs> um, and, you know... I, I, the phrase, I think he can fix him, sounds joking. But... I'm again. I'm. I'm not even really being joking with that. I think that that would give him an opportunity to not have that obligation. And again, Roman's tra- Roman's ongoing trauma and ongoing abuse is about being the person with all this pressure and being the person with all these responsibilities and all these obligations and always having to, having to be the head of the table having to provide for everyone, having to do all this, having to do all that, and having to do it for his family and not for himself. Because even when he did chase the titles before the head of the table era, you know, he... It was for him. It wasn't for the family. It was because he knew he was the best and he wanted that. And now, the titles feel inconsequential to him because they're not for him and you know I think that him being in a place where I mean fuck send him to NXT like genuinely like uh send him someplace where he just does not have that pressure and he does not have those responsibilities and that will show an immense amount of character work on his part 
of him having to grow and relearn how to just be happy. And that's also, again, pretty realistic because a lot of people who have been abused and then go on to be abusive to other people, they struggle. They struggle to change. And one of the reasons they struggle to change is because they're not given the space to. Thankfully, these are fictional characters and they have all the space that they are given. And I think it would be a very valuable story to tell to show Roman healing and to him for him to be given the space to heal and to grow and to relearn how to be happy and to relearn how to live a fulfilling life without that pressure um and you know that again and it and i do and think i do think it okay sorry <laughs> sorry technical difficulties for a second there um and i do think that roman has to be someplace far away from jay and and all of them and and again, I, I focus so much on Roman because I think that his story is being undervalued and I think it's being yeah. misunderstood. And that's frustrating to me, again, as someone who has had some pretty intense, crazy-ass trauma. Um, so I think that him going from this person who is an abuser to someone who is learning how to reintegrate themselves into society, essentially... Um, in a healthy way would be a pretty great story to tell. And then, you know, I, you know, there are of course other people involved in the bloodline. Um, it's only a matter of time before Paul, before Paul Heyman fucks off and leaves. Um, because that's what Paul Heyman does. <laughs> like it's, it's like one way or another, Paul Heyman will betray him or, you know, leave so, him or something like that is just how Paul Heyman works. We all know that. We all accept that. <laughs> so I think Paul, um, in his promo tonight, did he kind of like planted the seeds for that by basically saying that without the titles, like Roman is nobody. <laughs> he like he was like without these titles, there's no Roman Reigns, which is um, also incorrect. But Paul Heyman's yeah. a shit talker, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I feel like in a weird and funny way that is not typical of of Paul Heyman, it was like he kind of uh, accidentally asserted the wrong thing um, by saying that. Whereas I, I think the intention, character-wise, obviously, the intention is that he is saying that, like, you know, that Roman like Roman exists for these titles like that there's no place that like this reality doesn't exist where Roman isn't the tribal chief where he isn't the undisputed champion and all of this but incidentally by saying that he has now put this idea into everybody's heads that um Roman is not important without those titles and that um yeah, basically that Roman isn't important without those titles. He says, like, the island of relevancy doesn't exist without this. And then thus kind of, like, making it kind of clear, like, what he thinks of Roman and that he is only here to, you know, essentially reap the benefits of Roman, which is obviously, like, we all knew that about Paul Heyman, but, like, you know, 
he have to say it. Um, so it, it's just, it's very interesting, like the direction that the storyline is going in terms of like Roman and Paul and uh, Sammy kind of came behind Paul and basically kind of said the same thing where it's like, okay, well, I'm gone and Jay has a foot out the door. And when Jay leaves, what do you think Jimmy's going to do? Because he's really only in this for Jay anyways. You know how, and the only reason, the only way that Roman managed to keep Solo is by turning him against me and pulling him in closer, you know, um, which Sammy really like just nailed everybody's character characterizations. He's like, and, and you're not going to stick beside him to Paul. Like you're not going to stick beside mm-hmm. him if he doesn't have anything to offer you. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we think is like, we're literally watching this crumble before our eyes. Mm-hmm. And Sammy did such a good job in pointing all that out. And I think really characterizing everybody, um, I think that Jimmy and Solo have had very... I don't know how I feel about Jimmy and Solo sometimes because sometimes sometimes it feels like the things that they are doing... Sometimes it feels like their nothingness is intentional and sometimes it feels like inconsistency and I'm not quite sure if it's intentional or inconsistency. Um, Especially on part of Jimmy because I'm a little bit like... I'm a little bit of a Jimmy Uso hater not in like real life I think Jimmy is a great guy like for in real life I think Jonathan is a great person um you know he has his flaws but I don't have an issue with him however Jimmy Uso the character um we gonna have to fight um because it literally first of all it goes it goes all the way back it goes all the way back to Clash of Champions. And this is like kind of where the inconsistently inconsistency, in my opinion, starts with Jimmy. But it, it could be inconsistency or it could just be that his character is a piece of shit. We, I don't really know which one it is yet. But like all the way back to Clash of Champions, he comes in, Jay's literally begging him not to throw in the towel and he does it anyways. Um, I guess you could say because he cares about his brother. Sure. And then Hell in a Cell, essentially the same thing happens. He hobbles his one-legged ass down to the ring. Nice. And Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he comes down to the ring in this Hell in a Cell match and basically puts himself in a position. He's trying to help, but he puts himself in a precarious position. And because of him, Jay quits the match. All of that happens. He causes Jay to lose to Roman both times. And he is the reason... From the beginning, that they even had this stipulation on the match that if Jay lost, that he would have to either submit to Roman or leave the family. It was because of a prank that Jimmy pulled on Roman, where they like did that whole twin switcheroo thingy. Mm-hmm. Like I know Jay probably had his hand in that, but I I choose to blame Jimmy for it because um, it fits my narrative. And so then all of that happens and the first thing Jimmy does when he gets back to SmackDown and he comes back to wrestling after this year-long injury is try to stand up for his brother while simultaneously victim-blaming his brother and calling him a bitch, which is really, really strange. So much so to the point, like, him and Roman and Jimmy are collectively, like, pushing Jay to the like brink of anxiety and panic to the point where he lashes out at both of them which we just discussed how like Jay can't even look Roman in the eye at this point like he can't a week before like a week before he like 
told Jimmy and Roman that he was like over both of them, like Roman like came and looked at Jay and Jay like cowered into the corner away from him. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> frustrated this man to the point where he looked Roman in the eyes and said, I'm sick of you. Like, oh my God. And left for three fucking weeks. And the minute Jay was gone, Jimmy was like, oh, well I can do his job. Um, like what the fuck and then and then like when jay comes back it's all it's fucking okay okay sorry um, guys there okay. was another little technical difficulty moment um i don't remember exactly what i was saying uh you were oh, talking yeah. about so, jimmy and uh some yeah. of his inconsistencies yeah so J jay leaves and then jimmy immediately tries to take his place as the right hand man but of course mm -hmm. Jay and Roman have this, um, like, really weird kind of, like, trauma bond, which, not to keep going back to this, but is another example of one of those things that has existed since the beginning of the storyline that people who are, like, <laughs> kind of bandwagoning onto analyzing the storyline are just now noticing. After last week, where Roman threw a big tantrum about Jay not being around, um, hello, Roman has always been like that towards Jay. When Jimmy stepped up and was like, I can do Jay's job, Roman was like, I don't want you to do Jay's job. I want Jay to do his job. I don't like you. I like Jay. Um, and people are like, hmm, wonder why that is. And I'm like, it's almost like they've been in this weird traumatic bond for the past three years. But anyways, um, you'd know that if you like paid attention to the storyline at all. But again, besides the point, um, Jay finally comes back, and again, it's, like, all about the titles with Jimmy. The minute that, like, Roman basically offers up, like, hey, this is what you guys can have. This is what you guys can be. Then all of a sudden, Jimmy does not give a fuck anymore that this man has been abusing his brother for a year. His little brother, his nine minutes younger little brother has been being abused by this man, and he immediately stops giving a shit the minute that, like, we can all be great together and you guys can have titles and you guys can have shiny things and you guys can reap the like reap the benefits of all of this by associating with me and accepting whatever the fuck I hand to you. And Jimmy just goes along with it because he's greedy. <laughs> but also like partially, I think too, just accepting it because it's what stresses Jay out the least. Um, that's like another one of those like kind of inconsistent things where it's like, it could be either thing because he kind of makes both things seem true. Um, in the beginning part, when Jimmy first joined the bloodline, he kind of seemingly didn't really take it very seriously. Like there would be a lot of moments where Jay and Roman would be pretty like, like serious about certain things and jimmy would like be laughing about it or he would you know just not understand that they like really buy into the shit that they were saying or that roman buys into the shit that he says and jay has been you know like conditioned to basically drink roman's kool-aid and and like take everything that he says seriously like this is real to him whereas you know jimmy was mostly just <laughs> playing along for jay's benefit but then, like, when the whole Sami Zayn thing ran rolled around, that's where I kind of went back to feeling like Jimmy was only doing it because he cared about being champion and cared about being, like, like I, I hate to use the word famous because it's, like, so it doesn't encapsulate all that the bloodline entails. But, like, basically just wanting 
to be famous or whatever, I guess. Um, because he stopped caring about Jay's feelings, which was supposed to be his entire, like, thing and being the, in the bloodline was that he was doing it for Jay. And then when Sammy rolled around, he stopped giving a shit about how Jay felt. And then he did again a little bit. And then he went back to being like, Jay, you're being a hater and a buzzkill. And then once Jay started to like Sammy, and then Sammy did what he did, he got really mad. Like, I don't think he got necessarily mad at Jay, but he did, like, get really aggressive with Jay and, like, pushed him around a little bit. If you go back and watch, like, the Royal Rumble segment and, like, kind of lashed out being like, this is the guy you call your brother, kind of essentially asserting that, like, he gets a little bit jealous whenever Jay forms bonds without him, which kind of goes back to the beginning of the Roman storyline. When he first came in, he came in so hot and it was like, wow, you're doing all this with Roman and you know your relationship with him matters so much to you but you're my twin like this he has like this like everyone talks about roman's possessiveness over jay because we obviously know it's it's written overtly in the storyline that you know roman values jay because jay does what roman says but like jimmy is kind of just as like possessive over jay as roman is like and nobody really points that out about Jimmy. I just think, but again, it's like one of those like weird things where he's a little bit all over the place in terms of his characterization. And he kind of seems to be like whatever they need him to be in the moment. And there's not always like a, like a clear cut role for him within the bloodline. You know, I, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before too, because I think that Jimmy and Solo are two very interesting factors in this story because like excuse me Jimmy in particular I, I I do think there are some inconsistencies but I think to me it's always boiled down to just the fact that his relationship with Roman is so different that he doesn't necessarily see, you know, what the effect that it's having on Jay. And to me, it always felt like, again, some of this is, some of this is implied more than it's stated outright. Like Roman, you know, getting a talking to at the hands of the elders. And I think there's been this implication that Jimmy doesn't do anything about this really because he doesn't see this as an incorrect way to treat Jay. I think there's this implication that Jimmy has always been the leader out of the two of them, whereas Jay is the follower out of the two of them. So I think to him, this is just him being influenced by Roman, who they both would look to for guidance or advice or whatever or leadership and i think that that's interesting because i you know roman is is an example ow yeah i just touched right where like a pimple is forming that really hurt um you know roman is is an example of very clear-cut straightforward this person is abusing another person on purpose i think jimmy is an interesting example of 
someone who is contributing to an abusive environment whether they know it or not because as we talked about earlier you know it's it's also been implied and sometimes outright stated that you know in this family physical and aggressive actions are are seen as okay especially as discipline so it makes sense to me that jimmy would use that on jay because ultimately the story that you know an important part of the story is the fact that we're saying that everyone in the family thinks jay is weak and everyone in the family thinks jay cannot handle you know being the head of the table and i think that some of those inconsistencies come more just from that and from him like from the implication of him both not taking this seriously but he you know he's not taking it seriously because he's not the one sitting there being abused <laughs> exactly um, but like, like he that's... sorry i was just gonna say like jimmy was the first person to actually use the word abuse in the storyline and like that's one of the things that kind of made me be like fuck jimmy uso because i'm like you acknowledge that that's what's happening here and yet you still proceeded to interact with jay in the manner that you did Mm -hmm. which is really fucked up because that's your twin brother Mm -hmm. continue and again and that's that's one of the reasons why i think that it's not quite so inconsistent so much as it's it's this implied belief that that's the appropriate way to treat jay you know yeah because even down to telling jay that like if he was in his position in hell in a cell that he wouldn't have quit the match for jay like essentially implicating that like i'm stronger willed than you not even acknowledging the fact that his brother sacrificed his dignity so that both of them could stay in the family yeah and you know because i think a lot of jimmy's beliefs about the situation go back to that part of the storyline specifically where you know he was like you know at at that point the story was if jay loses this match he's out of the family and then if jay loses this mouth match both he and jimmy are out of the family right so he has this this part of the story being told where he's really coming into the story and i think that from the outset he did not take them seriously and he was like oh they're just fucking around they're not going to actually kick us out of the family that's ridiculous and you know <laughs> you know sometimes i wonder like i think the real villain in all of this is the elders like it is it like, is it literally is like they are doing some fucked up like hydra shit with these kids and i just don't appreciate it but you know the other interesting factor in all of this of course is solo because again we we know that jay uso is gonna eventually break up from the bloodline and go off on his own we know that jay that jimmy uso is probably gonna do something similar he's gonna go fight jay we know that roman is gonna you know go into a hiatus at one point after all this blows off and we know that paul is gonna run off probably back to barack like if we're being real um i think i still this isn't related to the bloodline but once the bloodline ends i think that paul Heyman should go down to nxt and be their new general manager 
and like either like their kayfabe general manager and i think he should start a cult-like ecw-esque reign of terror um i think that would be good for everyone and he um because they have also gotten the copyright on it and the trademark on a couple of ecw pay-per-view titles so let's throw that out there hunter since i know you're listening um but solo to me and we've talked about this before i feel like solo has to be the last one that leaves roman I feel like he has to be the last one that well and truly gives up on him because, you know, Jay obviously needs to be the first. He needs to get out. This is his story. He needs to break up. Jimmy needs to get it through his head that this is serious and that this is like they're not playing a game. They're... I think Jimmy just realized last week. I'm sorry. (laughs) Probably. Because, again, just, like, everything, like, today what he said, and I made a Tumblr post about this, but, like, when him and and Jay were doing one of their segments on SmackDown tonight, he says to Jay, man, it's been hell. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I'm like, dude, good point. Roman yelled at you. Well, Roman didn't even yell, first of all. He was just really stern and asked you a question that you didn't want to be asked. Like, Jay literally got beat with a chair and emotionally manipulated and abused for an entire fucking year. If that was hell for you, you literally would not have made it through what Jay went through, which makes it all the more fucked up for him to continue to act like he's like so much more strong-willed than Jay because he clearly can't handle the, the position that Jay had. Like, for him to be like, oh, it's been hell. It's been one week. It's been one week and Roman, not only... Not, and obviously Roman apologized for like manipulative reasons but like not only was Roman not even that mean to you but he apologized immediately after Jay has never gotten an apology from Roman for anything he's done not even a manipulative apology like let's be fucking serious here Jimmy like you can't handle it and I think because of that like that one small like inch of him stepping into Jay's world for like a second he realized like oh yeah this is real but it's like it only took you to fucking years. I like how this has quickly devolved into uh, Mick hates on Cody and Nia hates on Jimmy. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know what I think would be kind of an interesting an interesting turn for both Jimmy and Solo after the bloodline breaks up? There's a part of me that wants to see them be a tag team. And to have this... Probably a little bit, um, but I didn't really start thinking about it seriously until probably, you know, this past week. Because I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, I, I'd like to see Solo eventually out on his own. Um, just because I think he can do a lot. I think he has a lot of potential. But, you know, the story there, you know, consistently they're like, well, Solo is the quiet one, you know, and Jimmy is the loudmouth motherfucker. And... So it makes sense to me that, you know, after all this, because it makes sense for me, for Jay to be like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this with any of you guys anymore. Maybe one day in the future, but he, cause he doesn't just need to stand up to Roman. He needs to stand up to Jimmy and he needs to be like, Hey, you treated me like crap. You didn't ever do anything for me. You 
made things worse for me, whether or not you thought you were doing the right thing, you did stuff that hurt me. And I can't be around you right now. And you need to accept that. You need to leave me alone so that I can figure out if you have a space in my life. And, you know, Jimmy has to be a tag team wrestler. I'm sorry. Jimmy has to be a tag team wrestler. Um, I have thoughts on Jimmy that I won't say in public. Because <laughs> I don't want it to... No, like... Because I'm, I'm trying to watch my image here. And I don't want it to come across as, like, I'm making assumptions about him as a person. But I do, I, I do fully agree. I think that Jay and Jimmy have run their course as a tag team. Because... In my opinion, and obviously I'm biased here, I feel as though Jay has surpassed Jimmy in a lot of ways as a professional wrestler. And unless, and like one, going back to being a tag wrestler would completely and utterly stifle Jay. Like, yes, it just would. He's like, he's got too much to offer outside of that. And he's proven that. And honestly, I feel like, like the past couple years of them as a tag team has proven that like, not that their matches have been bad or not that Jay has been bad or anything, but, like, just in terms of what he's able to show us, what he's capable of, you know, he's able to demonstrate that so much more outside of the context of being in a tag team with Jimmy. And I think that in certain cases, some of the effort that Jay has put in, like, with his character, like, making his character, A, be consistent and B, you know, like, just be everything that it's become. Mm -hmm. And even, too, just, like, I think I, t I think I said this to you when we talked after Rumble last week, but like Jay, even just down to Jay becoming his own individual, like mm -hmm. back in the day, the Usos used to be kind of like, like I could see how people could mix them up. They looked similar. They dressed the same. They did everything. They had the same hair. They had the same of everything. But Jay has like clearly created his own distinct style, his own distinct brand. Mm -hmm. Like, you know who Jay Uso is on his own, which very beautiful thing to become in this storyline because that's all he wanted from the beginning but like i don't really think that jimmy since he returned in 2021 has used that up op this opportunity to mm -hmm. like distinguish himself it's more or less jimmy's the same jimmy he's always been and jay has shown us jay has like stepped further and further and further away from who the usos are while jimmy is still the usos and jay is jay uso if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, and I will not elaborate further on how I feel about Jimmy because it's so, gonna sound mean. <laughs> well, I was also gonna say is because as much as at one point I would like to see Solo on his own, I feel like it would be good for him to get some time in a tag team with someone like Jimmy. But I also think that that could serve a valuable purpose because obviously because they don't need to lose any tag teams. You know what I mean? Like, because we talked about this with the Rumble one back and forth, is that, you know, they don't need to lose tag teams. They need tag teams. And so I, I think that the best option is for Jimmy and Solo to fill that space um, because I think it would also do a lot character-wise. And again, this hinges on the idea that Jay Uso at one point tells Jimmy to his face that he fucked him over and he fucked him up and he did a lot of stupid shit and that he can't be around him because I think it would be interesting to tell the story of Jay of Jimmy then going on to be a tag team with Solo and catching himself doing those same things and having Solo not take any of it 
and have Solo be like, well, fuck you, you know, have Solo start to talk and start to be more verbal and have him be like, you know, have Jimmy be like, like chide him for something, like chastise him for something and Solo be like, hey, fuck you. What the fuck? Well, why didn't you help? Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do this? Why is it always on me? Why can't you take any responsibility? And I think that would be interesting to show Jimmy. And again, this is more work than they'd ever put into this. But I think that that would do a lot for Jimmy's character and for the eventual reunion of Jimmy and Jay. Because that would have to happen down the line. You know, like, there's no way that they wouldn't get back together at one point. And... I think that that would do a lot to serve Jimmy's character in particular while also building Solo up. Because, listen, they've been doing a decent job building up Solo as, like, a... Like, his in-ring character. Oh, no. Sorry, guys. Give us just one second. Oh, there she is. Naya went away for just a second. Sorry. That happens sometimes. I didn't get a chance to pause it so you guys are hearing my live reaction to... Miss Naya disappearing for a second. Um, so, sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. She is back. Um, technical difficulties. At least it waited until uh, 124 minutes into this. Um, yeah. But uh, even longer than that, because it didn't interrupt the Rumble one at all. Um, they've done a lot to build up Solo's in-ring character and his physical character. But they have not really done that much to build up his outside of the ring character, his his backstage segment character, and, and it's partially me. because like his backstage character is being silent. Yes, and of course I'm that's sorry. not gonna last. It cracked me up so bad last week when Roman was like, Solo, have you heard from Jay? And he just said nothing. <laughs> like, he didn't even, he didn't, oh, he didn't even blink. He just stood there. And I was like, dude. Talk about an autistic you... character. Listen, bubble guppies. That is it. <laughs> bubble guppies. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't even remember if the autistic character thing was on line. It was like partially. It partially was, but um, it partially wasn't. <laughs> So sorry, it's we we've been talking for a while tonight. So, yeah. um, and I had a rough ass evening before that. So my brain is a little wonky doodle. And uh, but no, in the last episode we were talking about uh autistic head cannons for various wrestlers, um, and of course a very common thing with autistic people is being nonverbal. Um, and also lacking expressions and only, or having fewer facial expressions. And Solo does fit into that little niche pretty, pretty perfectly. Um, argument could also be made for sensory issues, but I will not make that here. Um, but no, I, I think that in my opinion, at least, you know, Jimmy and Solo going off to be a tag team is probably the best bet for the both of them. And again, Roman needs to go to fucking NXT or AEW or something because he just needs to be away for a while. He needs to go someplace <laughs> where he does not have any responsibilities and he is away from the people who traumatized him. And, you know, of course... Of, of those options, NXT is more realistic. Neither will happen. He'll go on a hiatus and then come back for WrestleMania. Um, 
But yeah, it, uh, that to me is, is the best way for this to end. And it just, and, and with Cody, it's all fucking mess. And then who knows, maybe they'll pull the plug and have Sammy win the fucking titles. We don't fucking know. That's the, you know, cause we talk about Cody winning as though it, it's bound to happen. And at yeah. the end of the day, we don't know until that bell rings. We don't know how the match is going to end until that bell rings. And, and, you know... In my dream world, the way that I would book it, because everybody's acting like this is the most complicated decision to make in the entire world <laughs> between Sammy, Jay, and Cody, I think that they've already made the right decision by having Sammy face Roman at Elimination Chamber in Montreal. That'll get that'll get Roman some, like, crazy heel heat by beating the fuck out of Sammy in front of, like, his hometown. Montreal, screw job, part three... <laughs> People might not like this, but this is my idea, and I I think that it is a good one. Roman main eventing both nights of WrestleMania. Cody versus Roman night one. And it doesn't have to be announced beforehand that he's going to main event both nights. But Cody versus Roman night one, and night two is up in the air about what it's going to be. Um, and Jay costs Cody the match, basically being like, hey man, no hard feelings, it's not personal. But after everything I've been through, those shits are mine. And then Roman and Jay have their match, night two, main event, and Jay beats Roman there. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be a long reign. He doesn't have to be champion for, like, for fucking ever. He can literally, I don't give a shit. I just want one successful title defense, and he can drop those shits to Cody after that. I think it's fine. Um, as far as Jimmy goes, I think I said this to you before, but like, I think would be an interesting character arc for Jimmy would be that he has to figure out who he is without Jay because Jay had to figure out who he was without Jimmy and it's done wonders for him. And I think that Jimmy has, Jimmy has a lot of potential, which is weird to say for somebody as far into their career as Jimmy is, but like figuring out who he is outside of the Usos. And I think I would like to see him, I would like to physically see him go on that um, character's arc, if not tag teaming with Solo, um, which I feel like he could do both and kind of like leaning more into like his big brother thing, because he is the mm -hmm. oldest of the three of them. And, you know, take care of your brother and even like in a way kind of making up for the fact that he didn't do his job in protecting and taking care of Jay. That was a large turn part of my motivation for that particular yeah. for that being the the story beat with with them is because it would give him an opportunity because like i said ca having him catch himself treating yeah. solo like he treated jay and then being like wait this is why my brother left this is why my twin yeah. left yeah and being like you know okay this is my chance to do right especially with solo because solo is the baby brother you know yes. he's like and you know you you you're you are young and you have so much left in you so you know let me actually do the right thing this time and and guide you um and jay going on his singles run i think would be super cool once he drops the titles go after the workhorse title the intercontinental championship i think jay deserves it um against gunther or whoever the fuck has it at that point i don't give a shit but like i think that would be really interesting for them and would be a really good like actual nice bow on the story than it just being roman dropping the titles to cody for some fucking reason 
Um, and I really want my trip, like everything that we were talking about this earlier, but everything comes in threes. You know, um, we had two J versus Roman matches, so we need the trilogy to be completed. And mm-hmm. uh, Jay deserves to get his comeuppance. Like Roman has to get, like, I know we talked about earlier Roman being a sympathetic character and I do sympathize Mm -hmm. with Roman as a character. I literally have since the moment, like literally since the beginning of the storyline, I never saw Roman as just a straight up villain. And that's why I don't like when his fans say that he's not wrong or that he's never done anything wrong or all of that. Because I'm like, you're literally taking away the nuance of this character, which is what makes it so great. Sorry. Can I also just throw in this real quick? And I don't see this as much anymore. Maybe it's just because I unfollowed a bunch of people who kept saying it. Do not, when you are talking about this storyline and talking about Roman's character, call him a psycho or sociopath. It's, number one, it's ableist. Don't do that. Number two, it's incorrect. Number three, it does, as you were saying, uh, take away the nuance of the story because him having, you know, what most of you all consider to be the evil disorders, um, which is also not what psychopathy or psychosis, depending on how you're using that word, or sociopathy, uh, that's not what those are. Sociopaths and psychopaths are not automatically evil. That's not how that works. There is no evil disorder. Um, But stop calling him that, because that's not what he is. Again, his character is that of an abused and traumatized person who is continuing the cycle of abuse because that is how he was shown to act. Um, so stop trivializing his place as a traumatized person and an abused person because yeah. that's fucking weird and annoying because none of you actually know what psychopath or sociopath means. And stop using words that you don't understand just because you think that they mean scary evil man. Period. <laughs> but yeah, like... Like, I think that people really diminish Roman's character when they do things like that by saying he's not wrong or by calling him just like a psychopath or whatever, like blah, blah, blah. You know, it takes away from the fact that, you know, Roman does do bad things, but like he thinks like his intentions are good in his mind, but that's because his perception of reality is not the same as ours. Um and that is due to his literal trauma and the things that have happened to him. Boy, but, you sorry, know... sorry. I know I keep interrupting, but that just... Like, I didn't even get into the depersonalization. Like, because that's the yeah. other big part of it. It's like, there is literally so many layers to that aspect of Roman's character. Because we're seeing a real-time depersonalization of him into nothing but a vessel for what the elders want. Yeah, which is why he's like slowly but surely like everyone's keep everyone's pointing out how like Roman's like slowly but surely becoming more and more unhinged. Like he's he's not as in control of his emotions and of himself as he was before. Like in the beginning of all this, mm-hmm. he's like unraveling more and more, you know. Um, and then too, like again with this story being, oh my god, I- I'm surprised we didn't talk about this earlier. I might rant a little bit, but when I can't, because I, I ranted to you about this the other day, and it because it pissed me off when it pisses me off when people talk about the way that people talk about Jay in this story and the way that people talk about Roman in this story mm-hmm. because 
because this story features mm. such Jesus. heavy themes of like abuse and trauma and su- stuff like that sometimes the way that people comment on the story can be very reflective of how they see oh yes it can (laughs) and one of the things you learn a lot about people you do (laughs) so like the first time that really jumped out at me was around the time when jimmy came back and he was doing the whole you're a bitch thing because everybody jumped on the train of just calling jay a bitch without acknowledging any of the fucking trauma that he had went through for like the last year that literally led him to the point of you know submitting to roman and then recently after royal rumble i saw people being like oh well if like all these things that everybody in the bloodline has benefited from roman including jay and including sammy like if roman abused yeah Roman abused or manipulated him into winning championships and becoming the longest reigning like historical tag team champion like that's not abuse or to basically be like he should be grateful for his abuse because he benefited from it as if that is not quite literally a tactic and a form of abuse that like abusers use to keep their Mm -hmm. victims like close to them by giving them like love bombing is an example i'm going to treat you like shit and then afterwards i'm going to tell you how how much i love you and how much you mean to me so that you don't run away and like gifts and just sometimes literally just like protection and um like what's the word like like uh providing like Mm -hmm. for them yeah he literally does that to jay already like like you why do you think jay stuck around as long as he did yeah roman convinced him that he cannot be that successful on his own he has to quite literally go through a journey of finding him like finding his self-confidence confidence again to remember that he is capable of doing those things without roman yeah you know one could extrapolate that into being almost a metaphor for something like financial abuse because yeah you know there are because again abuse comes in many forms you know like i said earlier workplace familial platonic romantic there are a lot of different kinds of abuse out there and there are a lot of different methods in which those people will abuse their victim. And that's pretty, and you know, people assuming that, you know, they're the abusers can't gift things to their, their victims and can't help them. Cause that's like you said, it's a tactic of abuse because one of the ways that you keep a victim bonded to you because this is what a trauma bond is. A trauma bond yeah. is when a victim becomes bonded with their abuser and feels unable to live without them, essentially. Um, because, you know, that, like, the thing about abuse is, again, it, it's a very intense manipulation game. And one of the ways that you keep people under your you know under your power is to give them things that they want and that they need and then at the same time you make their life a living hell but you convince them that you know you're going to take care of them you know that's one of the reasons why you know you hear people you hear you know like there's the trope of like an abusive spouse saying you know, oh, I, I pay for this house, I pay for your car, I pay for the kids, I pay for all this shit, I do, I, I provide all this shit for you, and, 
you can't even have dinner ready when I get home. You can't clean the house right. right. You can't do this, this, and this. You know, that's that. That's a, there's a reason why that's a trope because that's an example. Which, I was gonna say, which also like Roman literally uses that exact verbiage. Like he literally like yes. has said like I took a week off from SmackDown and I come back and you guys can't even do anything right. SmackDown sucked. You didn't live up to my expectations. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. And now I have to come back and clean up all your messes. And I have to come back and do this and this and that. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have this. If it wasn't for me, nobody would have food on the table. No, this place wouldn't run. Nothing would work or operate. With- like this is the exact language that Roman uses. Yeah. Like literally just replace some of the words with like wrestling words and those are things that roman says so it's Mm -hmm. not like we're not reaching here by saying that this is what this is he literally does that like he literally does and like i made the analogy the first time we talked about this being like you know to say that like roman should be um, to say that jay should be like grateful for what he's obtained from from roman is the same thing as being like well you know how is he abusing you if you know he gives you a place to stay or mm-hmm. how's he abusing you if he pays all the bills you know kind of mm-hmm. thing like that none of that negates the fact that somebody's being abused yeah and, and if that's you think of, so then you have a shitty perception of abuse and that's one of the reasons why people you know it's, it, it gets thrown around the the uh phrase it it takes seven attempts to escape an abusive partner um or an abusive situation but i think it's it's more specifically about abuse between romantic partners um so you know they that gets thrown around a lot um because a lot of times people do try to leave you know people do try to leave those situations and and those relationships and then they get told because again and and we have seen this with roman roman doesn't treat other people the way he treats jay he doesn't even treat solo or jimmy or paul that way he doesn't treat the wwe officials that way he doesn't treat seth that way because before they feuded when you know they would have little run-ins and stuff it was very clearly you know roman being like stay out of my territory but he didn't mind seth he didn't mind him for the most part until seth decided to step on his territory and you know even his opponents he doesn't abuse or manipulate his opponents he beats them you know yeah um but one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to escape those situations is because abusers are often very good at looking good to other people and making the situation seem good to people outside of the specific power dynamic. So to me, that just tells me that a lot of these people, if they had a friend or a loved one who was in that kind of situation, if they were being provided for, they would not grasp that that person was being abused unless they like showed up with bruises because that's another thing is you know again we talk about i talk about the cultural context of it and i think that that's also a reason why fans themselves can't grasp the fact that it is a story of a man being emotionally and mentally and sometimes physically abused i think it's two things it's one jay being 
not just a man of color, but a Samoan man, because mm-hmm. like, and I, I can admit that I've like kind of maybe per- perpetuated this by, you know, things that I've said or the perspective that you have on Samoans, but like, especially Samoan men is the idea is that they're big, they're strong. They're like, I, I always hate when people say this because it's really dehumanizing to me, but like, they're like superhuman or they're like inhuman. Like, you yeah, know, like they're like these like bionic people you know Mm -hmm. so it's hard to think that a man like that could be a victim of anything let alone Mm -hmm. abuse and then the other thing too that becomes that roman and jay are cousins like Mm -hmm. it's easier for people to grasp when it's like boyfriend girlfriend husband wife you know kind of situation but it's the fact or even like you know uh between parents and child or Mm -hmm. something like that uh but here like because they're cousins people don't seem to grasp the idea that Roman is still a person in a position of power that he is exerting over Jay and he is abusing it. Like that is what abuse is. And that is what he's doing to Jay, regardless of how Jay looks, regardless of who Jay is to him, you know, he can still be a victim. I mean, can't believe I didn't think of this comparison until now, but people were picking up on the fact that it was abusive between Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Because that was an abusive right. that was an abusive relationship. That was an abusive relationship between someone in a position of authority and someone in a position of superiority over someone who was seen as their inferior. Like that's what it was. And it was very straight up I mean it wasn't as, you know, nuanced as the bloodline story but it was still people were picking up on the fact that seth is being abusive because seth rollins is inherently an abusive character but like with the bloodline i do think a lot of it is that jay is as you said specifically a samoan man because i do think that you're right 100 percent people have this idea of samoans that is and other pacific islanders honestly that they are some kind of like you know, there, oh God, I don't, I don't want to say this, but it's what it feels like. It's like that, like, magical Negro trope where, like, you have this black person in a story and they're like this, like, magical, amazing can handle everything you throw at them, super strong, like, character, and, you know, that is dehumanizing at the end of the day, because, that, and that, that's, the, that's the purpose of those stories, because people will be like, oh, but isn't that good to be represented as, you know, a, a strong character, a strong kind of person who can handle adversity, and, like, Yes, but not when you don't let them be a person outside of it. And those tropes dehumanize specifically people of color because, you know, it comes from that very white-centric belief that, you know, whites are, like, the normal. (laughs) You know what I mean? And anyone who exists outside of that is, you know, ranging from magical superhuman creatures who must also be subjugated and you know actual subhumans and 
people do need to watch out for when they are falling for those tropes. Because, like, in real life, you know, when they're falling for those stereotypes. Because there is a stereotype, of course, with all men of color, but I would say specifically certain races, black men, Samoan men, uh, where there's this belief that they are, like, you know, the, the fucking Superman of the species, but there's also this belief that they're just, like, not smart enough to take advantage of it. And sometimes that does feel like how people talk about the Samoan wrestlers. Because there's this, like, weird overarching belief that, like, the Usos... The Usos... I see the Usos get this a lot. But, like, there's this overarching belief that the Usos are, like, stupid. Like, stupid people. You know what I mean? And every time I see that, I'm like... Like... (laughs) it's just like do you guys hear yourselves or are you actively racist because if you're actively racist then I at least get it but it's so frustrating when you have that all of that at all but especially in the context of a story like this because it, it, it makes people unable to grasp the idea that this is how abuse can happen and that this and that abuse can happen to all the different kinds of people and to the point about them being cousins i do think that's really where people trip up more than anything because they don't think that you know oh well there's no power dynamic in cousins who are around the same age and that's just not true because that tells me that you don't understand how power dynamics work <laughs> um because like two siblings who are a year apart can have an abusive power dynamic. And it's not even necessarily the older person is always abusive, you know? Like, younger people can also be abusive towards their elders because sometimes you can manipulate a situation for that to be true. And it's just super stupid that people aren't able to look at this and see the, you know, very clear depiction of abuse because they're just like, oh, well, they're cousins, so... You know, that's, that's, they're just doing cousin stuff. They're just, you know, Roman is just, you know, the kind of mean older cousin. And it's like, no. Because if that was true, he would be doing it to Jimmy and Solo. (laughs) Bro, exactly. Like, there is a reason he only does it to Jay. Like, Mm -hmm. there's clearly a reason. And, uh, like, there's many, many reasons theories and things that have like kind of been clearly like laid out within the context of the storyline but like there's obviously a reason like jay is his chosen one and jay has been the one with him from the beginning and then like another one of my like gatekeeping things about the storyline too is that like some of the storyline in order to understand you kind of have to know stuff about them in real life and know stuff about their relationships that their relationship dynamics in real life and understand that in uh, to understand like how reality plays a factor into the storyline and one of the interesting things is that roman and jay in real life genuinely are and always have been closer than roman has been to anybody else in the bloodline Mm -hmm. solo obviously because he's like solo's dead ass like 10 he's like i think 11 10 or 11 years younger than them Mm -hmm. and jimmy 
you know, there was just a certain point in time where Jimmy was in his own space in life and Jay and Roman grew, grew closer. They literally were like next door neighbors. They lived in the fucking slums together while they trained in FCW. Like they, they, and they both talked about this, by the way, like publicly, like they, they've gone through all of these things together. Everything that they've created now are things that they envisioned together, like back in the day. Like it really has always been Roman and Jay, you know, mm-hmm. it's always going to come back to them. And like with Roman being like kind of in real life, the chosen one in their family to now, like Jay has said multiple times, like, yes, there are a lot of real life things that happen in our family or that happen between us and our relationship dynamic that are being addressed in this storyline. Like it, it is something that is possible. I like, obviously Roman's not in real life abusing Jay, like, but like, no, but I think that that, you know, ties that back into what I say about the implications and about how it's implied that all of this started because the elders took Roman away for a few months and, you know, beat him into submission. And, you know, the implications that Jimmy believes that this is the correct way to act towards Jay. Like I said, like, it, it is very clear that they are using what I think are some legitimate, like, because, again, clearly the older generations in that family do believe in physical violence as a punishment. And I do think that Jay, excuse me, that Jimmy and Jay are very close, but Jay has always, or but Jimmy has always kind of taken the role of older brother and everything that comes along with that. And I do think that Roman and Jay know more about each other in a more intimate, I'm going to say intimate and don't take it as a weird thing. Um, but like, yeah, right. Like Roman and Dean know each other intimately like that. Um, I think they know each other on a more intimate level in a way because I think that that's more of a best friend relationship as a clo- as opposed to a cousin relationship and um yeah it's you know it's clearly one of those things where they're drawing a lot in real life and then exaggerating it which you know is yeah that's where the best stuff in wrestling comes from for the most part is taking things in real life and turning the dial up to 19. Um, I mean, do you have any other topics you want to cover? Because it's, uh, like almost like getting close to five o'clock where I think you are. Um, I would, I mean, yeah, it's getting close to five o'clock. No, I don't think I have any, I honestly, (laughs) yes, I could go on and on. I am full of, I'm full of thoughts about the bloodline at all times. Don't, don't literally don't even mention it to me because you will be stuck in a conversation about it. As we are filming this podcast, well, recording this podcast, I am literally also texting in my bloodline group chat about the storyline. Tell, tell them to tune in if they get a chance. They, they will. They literally 155 they minutes to um, they're literally <laughs> earlier we were talking about let's, because let's I think, push it uh, to let's push it to 160 i want to get to 160 where are we at now a 154 <laughs> oh shit well i was just gonna say um earlier we were i think d was saying how um uh she listened to our roman episode and how mm-hmm. she really liked some of the stuff we talked about there but um because we're yeah excellent. also 
<laughs> I will be. Re- I think that I will be remiss if I don't say this at least once for Ari. Um, fuck the elders. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this Ari person, but I concur. Fuck the elders, because <laughs> fuck the elders. Again, they, they do come off as the actual villains in this story. The they, people who are they originally are perpetuating the this cycle. They do not want those boys to be happy. They just want to no. be like peaceful and live their little lives. And the elders are like, no, you have to go through trauma and like kill each other and want to die to like keep our family on top. You can't be a happy person and right. also be great. Yeah. That doesn't right. exist. Do you remember when Roman was just running around with his two? dumbass white boys that he loves and nothing was bad and everything was fine and you know they had their little matching vests and they'd have their little their the twins would just go out there and have their little rap battles their silly little rap battles and they would just you know play the little games the new day shoot i can't (laughs) yell everyone around me is asleep fuck um sorry i just was like one of the other reasons why sorry real quick one of the other reasons why i think that cody rhodes like officially abdicating his position as royal rumble winner to give the spot to jay like i think would be an also an excellent parallel to when the usos forfeited to the new day because they wanted to because they believed in it and they Mm -hmm. you know believed in the cause so i just think that there should like that would be cool and awesome and paul i know you're listening just take my advice just please i don't need credit you can say it was all you I will sign an NDA. I just think that maybe I have some good ideas here, Paul. I'm just saying, we dropped, like, at least, like, three different options here. We did. Choose one of them. Literally just choose one. (laughs) There was so much. And then, you know, at the end of the day, should Cody win, God forbid, should Cody win at WrestleMania... All I'm asking is that he be doing his celebration and then cult of personality plays. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if we must, if we must, if we must sit through Cody Rhodes being champion, then listen, because my, my point of this, my point for this pitch is wrestling in the 21st century. And of course, even more so in 2023 is things like, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that are, you know, of course, amazingly popular and only getting more popular, especially when it comes to specifically posting videos. You know, what, what, what is the most videoable moment? What is the most clickable moment? What is the most viral moment? And the most viral moment isn't going to be Cody Rhodes winning the titles at WrestleMania. I'm sorry. That's going to last like three days and then everyone's going to be over it. And... You know, you want something that is going to get millions of views. You want something that is going to get millions of people talking. And what would that, and what would do that? CM Punk returning at the end of WrestleMania would do that. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. I think that should Cody win, and again, this is all hinging on the fact, if Cody wins, which he shouldn't because it should be Jay that beats Roman, But if Cody wins, I am just saying that, you know, it would be excellent 
And again, I hate CM Punk more than I hate pretty much anything else on the planet Earth. So the fact that I am saying this means a lot. Like, it, like, I'm, I'm having to struggle through it. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, throwing that out there. If, if we must have Cody win, I think that the best way to turn that into a viral moment is to have CM Punk come back. Do I want CM Punk back in the WWE? No. Do I believe that it would be best for business? Ultimately, no. Do I be believe it would be best for business in the short term to have your giant mega feud going into SummerSlam be the two, you know, big AEW grabs? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> it would at least be funny. It would at least be funny, and if it can't be good... It can at least be funny, which I need to tattoo on my chest or something, because I really do say it a lot. Um, gosh. Okay. Almost at 160. Um, which I don't know how many hours that is. I'm tired. Uh, it's probably a lot. Um, feel free to listen to this in two parts, by the way. I know that doesn't about, make sense to say it right at the two end. two and but... a half hours. Um, a little over two and a half hours. Okay, like so that's actually minutes. less than my episode with uh, Nick Duramio was. Which, check that out if you haven't. Check out that. Check out Nick Duramio's channel with Clip Breakdown. It's great. Um, but yeah. Uh, gosh, so songs... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Words. <laughs> yes, it's uh, nighttime. Um... <laughs> I'm tired and my bones hurt so bad. And I'm having some kind of, like, weird breakout on half of my face. And I don't even know what's going on, but I hate it. Um, so, yeah. Match and song recommendations? <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. I'm Dude. so sorry. I'm so tired. Like, match I don't even... Match recommendation. Oh, my God. Um, match <sighs> recommendation. Go watch... All of Jay Uso's matches, every single one. Start start from the first Jay Uso match you can find, and then work your way forward. Um, and song recommendation: um, Down Since Day One ish by CFO oh. Money and the Usos. <laughs> Actually, no, 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 no. And I'm I'm not joking when I say this. I'm being a hundred percent serious. I need you to understand this. This is genuinely my song recommendation. Gunter's theme. That's my shit right now. I love that song. <laughs> God. Okay. Let me hold on. Let me look for a second because I got it. Gunta. So. I'll gi I'll give you two song recommendations just because I'm in the mood. So my f two song recommendations are, um. Hold on, let me find it. This is crazy. I'm coming up on 24 hours with no sleep. <laughs> Go the fuck to bed. Oh my this god. Is what, it is almost what time I woke up yesterday. Naya. <laughs> fucking Christ. Jesus. Take the day off and just sleep. I, I'm. I should do that, but I already made plans to go out with my friend who I haven't seen in like a year and a half. And they can also... come hang out with you in your house while you sleep. I don't want people okay, in my, house. my two s song. What did I just click? Fuck you, fucking Firefox bullshit browser. 
Everyone can sorry, real quick tangent. Everyone was like, oh, switch to Firefox. Firefox is so much better. And then Firefox fucking sucks. I've never had a browser crash as much as that fucking browser. Google Chrome way better. Um, sorry, Chrome's better, man. It's I don't yeah. care if it spies on me. It's got a better <laughs> user interface. If if Mozilla Firefox wants to get as good of a user interface as Chrome has, then I'm all for it. But until then, fuck it. My song recommendations are Heartache Medication and Beer Never Broke My Heart. Cause what's life without a little country? Um, and my match recommendation, <laughs> cause let's end on a bad note, uh, is probably gonna be Kitty Omega versus, uh, Pentagon. It's on YouTube somewhere. Um, I say on a bad note because I know that my dear beloved friend Naya does not like Kitty. Oh, but I recommended Pentagon in both matches. That's fun. Um, but unfortunately, I have thoughts and emotions about him, so match recommending for him, I am, that word's um, in the wrong spot. I, speaking of Kenny Omega, I saw Kota Ibushi's ass today. So I also awesome. saw Kota Ibushi's ass today. <laughs> what was up with that? Why is he posting? Yeah, I mean, he didn't, like, post, like, ass ass, but, like, yeah, why was it he was, half but naked? It was... It was enough ass. He what? definitely just wasn't wearing pants or underwear for some reason. It was just, because I didn't, like, all I saw was it posted on Reddit, and no one would be, and someone was like, oh, it's from Twitter, and I was like, okay, but why? Why was it on Twitter? I do need more <laughs> why context. Not? So, Literally I mean, why not? you know, <laughs> shout out to Kenny Omega, if you're listening to this. Shout uh, out to I... He deleted the tweet. Fuck you. <laughs> it lives on on Reddit. Um, yeah, so that was that was our bloodline check-in. Our bloodline state of the union, which I think went almost as long as Biden's. Um, what? <laughs> when will Biden talk about the bloodline? What this country actually cares about? Um, fuck gas prices. <laughs> He needs God. to clear my student loan debt so I can get therapy for all this bloodline trauma I have. He needs to clear everyone's student loan debt. Like, not even fucking playing. Literally got that email. They were like, hey, we're gonna do it. And then it was like, wait, never mind. We were <sighs> That's awful. <laughs> they were like, my bad. The Senate said no. And we were like, okay. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Fuck it. God, okay, no, we need to stop, because if we get into that, then this is going to be another three fucking hours. I feel like I'm getting delirious. Okay. Wait, I, haven't been, I haven't even been awake as long as you, and I am just fucking loopy. Jesus Christ, I'm going to rub some okay. whiskey on my gums and go to bed. Dangerous thing I've ever done, but after NXT Vengeance Day, I had to drive an hour away to go take my friend home, and I also, like I said, had been running off of, like, three hours of sleep. I woke up at four o'clock that morning i did not get home from dropping my friend off an hour away i had to drive there and then drive back so two hours by myself i don't know how i got home naya. because i <laughs> was awake for 23 hours naya. i don't know how i got home i really don't <laughs> one of these days soon you are going to wake up and you are going to see me in your room <laughs> in the corner and i'm I'm going to say, Naya, it's bedtime. 
And then you're gonna try and fight me. And then you're gonna go to bed. <laughs> and you will go to bed on time, consistently. Because what the fuck? God, wait, how how old are you again? I will be 21 in... It is technically February 11th. I will be 21 in exactly two months. Okay. God, I remember when I was young and I did shit like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now I only do I'll... it maybe like 19 times a year instead of 30. <laughs> the logic in my head was I could pull over to a rest stop and sleep for a few hours, but then I could maybe get kidnapped by a serial killer. So I'd rather die in a car wreck than get kidnapped by a serial killer. I that's that's another conversation. That's a conversation for another time that we need to have. She's, okay, so then next time she's in one of these days you're gonna be driving alone in your car and I'm gonna be in the back seat and I'm gonna be like, Naya, pull over. You need to rest. So get ready for the evil little hallucinated Christina Aguilera that I will be. Alright. Thank you, everyone. If you stuck, if you stuck around through this whole thing, I need to send you like some Hershey's kisses or something. Cause holy shit, like I need to buy you guys a beer or something. If you stuck through this whole thing, uh, but yes, thank you all for listening, for tuning in. Feel free to share this around on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the LinkedIn, on the fucking Craigslist, whatever. Um. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell wrestlers that you know. Someone send this to an Uso. It'll be funny. Um, Please, send it to Jay. I want to interview him. Yes, I want to ask him all also the questions so he I can have. hear you call him baby girl. Because um, that was this episode. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who needs edibles when you have staying up for this long? Right? I didn't even get to um. do my drugs. <laughs> Stop! I can't be loud. There's people sleeping, like, on two sides. I'm surrounded. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Sorry, this has just been so much, and I'm not sorry for it. That was compulsive. Um, be safe. Wear a mask. Get some fucking sleep. <laughs> Don't drive when you've been awake for 24 hours. Um, and... Watch some good-ass wrestling. We will see you guys next time.